This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Thank you for downloading the home... That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Thing about this, <laughs> thing about this is, I know it happened last week and it will happen this week. That's the start of the show. So <laughs> thank, thanks for downloading the Homestead Radio podcast. It's it the second time. Um, it's a very, uh, I think, very enjoyable show. Got into the uh, the key areas um, around the win against Norwich um, with an appropriate celebration as well at the beginning of the show. So hopefully you'll enjoy what we did very very much. Um, Obviously, there'll be some additional content after uh, you've heard what we broadcast live. And um, well, we'll be mainly talking to Ben about his travel exploits, because Ben's been away for how long was it, Ben? 66 nights. Yeah, that's already you've sickened me <laughs> with saying it in that way and knowing it. It's, it's going to be a good conversation in a bit. Uh, we'll also have a bit of a chat about what we think is going to uh, occur on Wednesday night against Everton. Um, as well as uh, discussing, I, I want to talk about the, the whole Wembley ticketing thing and how it's all panned out and a few of the views I've seen being mentioned on message boards and Twitter and stuff like that, which I think will be uh, an interesting sort of football-based sensible discussion. But mainly we'll be bullying Ben about his travel exploits. Homesdale Radio, Football Blogging Award Finalist 2015. net. We won a game in the league! It's Of sarcasm in that, I think. <laughs> anyway, uh, welcome to Homestay Radio. My name is Chris Hambling, and uh, today we'll be looking at a wonderful 1 0 victory against Norwich. I called it wonderful, it was wonderful to win, um, but we'll be talking about how the game actually went in a bit more detail. Probably slightly less wonderful than, than it kind of feels. <clears throat> With me today, I have Terence Ford. Hello. Uh, Lucy White. <laughs> Silence. Silence from Lucy already. 
Now, has she muted a microphone or has it broken already? We may hear from Lucy later on. <laughs> Joe Holyoke. Joe's <laughs> eating. Brilliant. And we have the returning Ben Nagel. Hello. Hello. Mm. Yeah, we're talking a bit then. Uh, so, yeah, plenty, plenty to talk about today. Oh, there you are. Oh, Hi, Lucy. Oh, you're right. What's it, Delay? I think you. Hello, Lucy. Hi, sorry. Sorry. It's all right. Yeah, it's no, no worries. You're here now, and that's the main thing. Uh, so we will be talking about the 1-0 win against Norwich. Jason Punch and scoring a screamer to win the game for Palace. Uh, plenty of nerves in that one. A um, few talking points as well. Uh, we'll also be looking at the ultimate 25-man squad. Uh, today we'll be looking at the, the final defensive position centre-backs. Uh, Andy Thorne versus Ian Evans. So a lot to say on those two as well. I've got my views. Hopefully you've got yours. People have been voting on um, at... HOL Radio on Twitter, uh, voting in or bin. Um, the panel will be giving their views. Love to hear your views as well. You can get in contact with the show today. Go to holradio.net forward slash contact. Tweet us at HOL Radio or email us. I think it's contact at holradio.net. I haven't said that in a while, but pretty sure that's what it is. Um, <clears throat> so we'll be back. Uh, let's have another jingle. We'll be back after a jingle. Got something you'd like to get off your chest? Tweet us now at Whole Radio. Annoyingly, I seem to have developed a cough right at the start of the show. Didn't have it until now. Good stuff. Uh, anyway, so, right. It's, it was a 1-0 win. It was fantastic to see. Uh, but let's, let's face it, it wasn't the prettiest of games. And particularly the first half was, it was a difficult watch. Now, I'm not going to get us bogged down in, in any kind of sort of negativity or frustration. We've rightly should feel an awful lot of relief and there was a huge number of positives to take from that performance um, but we'll have a look in, a, in you know in, in, in plenty of detail at, at individuals and as the team and how we set up but let's start um let's start with the changes that were made by alan pardew for this one um dwight gale starting the game as uh, many people were crying out for um you know we, we talked last week about what that meant and, and whether or not he's suitable for the system. And I think we saw particularly in the first half um, that, that that wasn't, you know, it wasn't really working. And we'll talk about the reasons for that. Uh, Levy came out of the side um, for Johan Kabai to return from his injury. So it was, it was a good, I thought we had a, a decent start to the game. We were on the front foot, um, but it was definitely a, a, a lot of nerves. But uh, let's get some views on, on what we thought about the starting lineup. Ben, you've been away for a while. Um, on your travels, which I'll be mainly mocking you about in the extra content for the podcast. Right. Um, but, you know, obviously you've been keeping your eye on Palace and, and how things have been going. Um, mm. Happy with the starting lineup? Yeah, you'll have to excuse me, Rustiness, if, uh, if I do get anything wrong. I've been away a while. But, uh, yeah, I was happy with it. Um, the only thing, obviously, if Wickham's back and Wickham's fit, you'd, you'd expect him to start. But, you know, in terms of Gale, I really like him as a player. I think he's got a lot to offer, so I was happy that he started. The Ledley one for me is, is standard. Uh, if if Kabai's fit, he starts over Ledley 100%. I think that sort of goes without saying, as, as good as Ledley is, and as much as I like him, that that sort of just goes without saying. Um, but yeah, you know, Gale or Wickham, I'm, I don't really mind either way. I thought Gale deserved to get a chance after scoring last week. So, uh, yeah, I was pretty happy with it. Terence, um, I mean, on the subject of Gale... Um, we, we again we've we've talked probably over a number of weeks, but specifically everyone was talking last week about we, we can't play the same way and, and start him. Do you feel that that was very much in evidence? Yep, just had Basong bullying pretty much for the whole entire game. Um, 
you lump him balls up to someone who can't really get up that well, hasn't got much strength of his back to goal, and um, it's crying out for Wickham to come back. Now, I would be quite interested to see how Wickham and Gale would get along together, especially now in the league. We've got, we're going to have a run of games where it's basically nothingness. We're paying for a few hundred grand per position or whatever it is. So why not give them a try, see how they work out? Um, but in terms how would, of the, how would you was, accommodate that though, and, and who would come out of the side? Um, well, uh, Bakary Saka can come out the side immediately, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> um, and go back to somewhere in the Championship where he belongs. Uh, I, I, I can't believe he started over Zaha. I really can't. Wider speaking, in terms of where you get Gowin, I don't. Longer term, it wouldn't be something you could do unless you can have MacArthur and Kabai as a middle two. Yeah. And if you can have MacArthur and Kabai as a middle two, then maybe you could accommodate a four four two. But Leicester have shown that you can make it work this season. They're, they're blitzing the league, and four 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 two is obviously not dead. So, as as you say, the, if it, <laughs> well, as as I say, uh, no, I mean as as you say that this the cent is the midfield two, isn't it? If you look at yeah. You look at um, uh, their midfield too, drink water and, and, and Kante. Um, it's it's superb, absolutely superb. And again, had had no really injuries to that. If we had a, a fully fit MacArthur and a fully fit Kabai sitting in the centre there, then like you say, we might be able to do it. Yeah, but we can't right now. So people <laughs> people have to sort of make their peace with that. And, and we'll talk about um, how particularly how Jednat did in the midfield yesterday because that's a, that's very much an interesting. Uh, topic to get into. Luce, um, do you think Dwight Gale actually battled pretty well, though, considering how we were playing? Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, then that's fine then. Um, you know, I thought he, 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 had a, he had a good go. He put in a good shift, but he's just not got that height. And I think as a lone striker, he doesn't do as well. But, yeah, he, he gave a good effort yesterday. And I was pleased to see him start, considering how well he played previously um but i think going on by what terence said as well i think that you is crying out for wickham to come back into the squad it's yeah no i agree with that it's, it's a difficult one I, I do feel for gail and i was very very frustrated watching the first half scene particularly the you know hennessy's got a very kick on him and I, you know you almost want him to take a bit of power off of that because it's just going center and it's going straight up straight out the middle um, and, and that's you know that's that's hard to watch at times and it's hard for Dwight Gale to just continuously see the ball hammered at the at the centre-backs if he's never going to really beat in the air although to be completely fair to him he won a few headers and flick-ons but there was, there's was no one there to pick up on it so it, it was, it's a very odd way to play um, with, with Gale in the side but that goes back to, to a lot about what I'm saying is I don't think we're playing that way purposely if you know what I mean uh, Norwich suffered from it as well they went um, as their manager Alex Neil pointed out they went back to forward quite quite regularly um, in, in the same way we did without sort of bypassing the midfield and it, it was it's all, it all does come from, from nerves and, and a lack of confidence I feel playing that way uh, to quite the extent that we did Ben yeah, just a quick point on Gale we talk about how he's not really sort of moulded for that role but I think if you look at the way he played and the way he was sort of physically when he joined us compared to now he's bulked up massively he's got a great leap in him now I think they're sort of they're really training him to become that sort of that striker that we need up there the sort of the more in the Wickham role obviously he's not he's, he's an out and out striker um, that's probably the way he played when he joined us but now if you look at him he's a, he's got you know bigger arm muscles than he did when he joined us he's looking a lot more bulky a lot stronger and I think they're almost trying to mould him into that role so he can play there 
Well, yeah, to a point, and, and you know, Pardew's hinted at that, but um, at the same time, you know, you see that you see, can see players of his type leading a line, and, and what they do is they, they properly run the channels, and they yeah. hassle defenders and all that kind of stuff, and Gale doesn't really <clears throat> do that, and, and for me, that's that's something that, that he's got to look at. If, if he's not prepared to sort of... Again, I don't know whether it's he just doesn't have the attributes for it or what, but there was a couple of occasions in the game where just thought if he, if he was on his toes and absolutely you know pushing himself he'd have had some opportunities there's, there's one where Wilf got in quite late on where um, where he's had a shot because no one's really got in the area and you just you watch Gale and he's just sort of slowly trotting towards the penalty area and you think if you break your neck Sort of hitting long balls into the channels. If they're hitting it straight at him, then fair enough. There's not a lot he can do. But you know, if his if his movement's better for me, he'll get more opportunities. Gel, yeah. uh, I think you're back talking about Dwight Gale uh, in the system we're playing. Just generally, really, um, can he ever fit into that uh, the system that we play? Yeah, of course he can. He won a couple of headers. I mean, from you know, from most of the hoofs that were aimed at him, um, completely unfair. You, you, everyone knows he's a much better player when you. When you when you smack it, just whack it at him instead of above him, so he's got a try. You know he's got more chance of, of controlling it or you know, so just playing hoofball, floating hoofball, and then letting him, you know, get smashed from behind by a big centre back. It's just some most of the time it's a waste of time. But um, but while you know, we are it, playing, sort like of, that. It, but it proves no point. That's the thing. It absolutely proves zero point. Yeah, no. But look, it was horrible to watch. It really was. Um, uh, most of my notes from the from the game on, uh, are, are all me being really really angry about um, about how we were playing, and it, you know, girl being isolated, like I say, long balls up the centre. We're not really going to get anything out of that, and I appreciate that particularly when you're when you're nervy and you're trying to get something out of a game, and you've been on a horrible horrible run like we have. I do understand why why teams sort of revert to kind of almost the easy option the easy clearance and we're trying to play those percentages and pick up the second ball in the in the attacking third and like I say it's, it's a tried and tested tactic really and Norwich employed it too so there are there are circumstances that I can understand that but I mean the, the whole first half was just two teams low on quality low on confidence and, and, and just just a whole really tense affair um you know Dan's, Dan's had a, a free header at one stage from a distance out that John Ruddy's taken quite quite comfortably um, you know there were spells of pressure from Palace but um, let's talk a little bit about um, about the selection of Saka over Zaha because that got a lot of attention um, Terence you've already said that you, you, you feel that was a mistake now Pardew's come out in the press and said that he felt that, that Zaha suffered from trying to carry the, the can too much trying to be you know he's covered for the absence of Balassi he's covered from the absence of the front players and it's always been about him and that he seems to have it seemed to have taken its toll in the last two games. Is, is that fair? Um, if he wants to come out and just say he wants to give Zaha a rest, then fair enough. But I, I think a lot of it is off the back. He, Pardew was quoted as saying that he thought Sacco had a good game at West Ham. Well, he wasn't watching the same game as me because he basically ruined everything we did that was good. And to then start him ahead of Zaha and again for him to be completely ineffectual, waste good scenarios for us. Put in all of these crosses. Putting in, I'm not. I'm not seeing this amazing left foot anymore either. And if you take away his left foot from him, what else has he got? 
So um, and Zaha showed in the, um, when he came on, and has as he always has done whenever he's faced Martin Olsen, he just destroyed him. Is it Martin Olsen? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah he, he's destroyed him for, all through the years. He's always done it. So um, I was really disappointed to see Sacco start ahead of Zaha. This um, I'll, I'll bring you in on this, Ben. Sacco's um, he's he's you know he's a he's a big lad. I wouldn't call him fat. He's just bulky. You know, he's he's, he's yeah. clearly putting an awful 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 lot of effort in the gym. Um, has that perhaps maybe reduced his mobility? Has that kind of made him a weaker player in in some ways? Potentially, but I mean, you've, you've got to also look at the amount of football he's played. If, uh, sort of looking back through his, his stats over the last few weeks, he was injured for a bit. I mean, in, in March, he played 13 minutes against Sunderland, 8 minutes against Liverpool, come in and played 45 against Leicester. Other than that, so that's going into April then, and we're only sort of, uh, until about a week ago, he played, you know, less than, you know, 90 minutes of football uh, since January. So you've got to give him a chance to, to have a run of, a run of minutes and, and get in the team a bit more. But yeah, I, I do know what you mean. He's, He's a big lad, and that's quite. We're so used to Balassin Zaha, the sort of skinny, quick, tricky wingers that we've had, and then he is a, he's a different moulded player. Um, he's, I think, we're sort of looking for something that he hasn't got. Um, but I think it's, it's unfair to sort of write him off this early into his career. It sometimes takes a while to to get up to that level, and you know, I'm sort of willing to give him a chance. Although saying that, I'd, I would start Balassin Zaha each wing, but you know, I don't think it's right to write him off just yet. I've just noticed the comment from the chat room from Lions. Can you clear, clean that up for me, Lucy? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> just bleep it out. So I think what Ambo's saying is that Sacco is a fat beep and he can't play well. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <laughs> I can't um, believe I beat myself. I know. It's very rare that you'd bother with that. Um, Sacco is out. 27, Ben, by the way. Yeah, I'd say this early in his career. Oh no! You just said this early in his yeah. career. I thought you it said, "Oh, you yeah, sorry, Palace. Palace career." Oh, right, okay. I, I basically, I saw him. I'm sorry. I saw him play up front at Villa away, and that was enough mm. for me to see all yeah, that no, I needed yeah, I was, to know. I was at Villa away as well, and I, I completely agree with you. But the whole team was dire that day. Mm. Would you? Um, another comment in the chat room there. Uh, yeah, red and blue. Chris has said Sacco blows hot and cold from game to game. He adds something with his willingness to have a shot. Contrast to Wilf Yellow, though. Yeah, it's a fair point, and that's again what's what Pardew's always brought, said he's brought into the team to do to to give us a bit more of a direct threat. But Joe, are you a fan of Sacco or not? Uh, not really, not over Wilf any day of the week. Um, look, 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 you know, we've we've had this discussion, we had this discussion last week. You just need to give the ball to Wilf at his feet, and as you know, as has already been pointed out, it, it, he has regularly throughout the times that he's ever played him destroyed there. Any time he destroys most left backs, you know, um, only the really good teams double up on him. The other, the rest of them are just not good enough to double up on him. Um, but like you say, every time he got the ball after that, Olsen must have just thought, "Oh, here we go again." You know, just it, I, I, I can't see for the life of me um, how, how he how he was made sub over over um, over Sacco. And the other thing as well is that it's sort of a, a little bit of um, where Pardew turned around and said, you know, he's had the pressure of this and he's carried the team here and, and everything else. But when he brought him on, it was it was nil-nil and, and it's like, there's the pressure to get out there and force the result. So it, it just doesn't make sense to me. He's, he's brought him on as an impact sub and being an impact sub when you need impact that's pressure I mean, yeah, just, so, it, 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 it doesn't make sense to me at all 
I was just about to make that point, actually, the, the opposite point, and say, look, to defend Pardew a bit, he's, he's, mani- he's ma- sort of man-managed Wilf in the past to sort of snap him out of a bit of a, you know, bit of, bit of poor form. Um, a bit of attitude. You know, yeah, he, he, and he'd, he'd managed him pretty well. And, um, and then I was going to say, obviously, he, he has shown maybe, maybe we don't win that game if Wilf doesn't come on and, and, and put the pressure on that he does. Although we all probably, in all fairness, it was uh, Bamford that won us the game. But um, that, is, that is a joke. But um, we were we were glory in that. A little he bit was later. terrible, though, wasn't he? It was, it was hilarious. One of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever seen. Um, but you know, I can kind of see. I can kind of see it as as a you know as good good management. Good in, in the sense that we've come out of the game with a win, and it didn't seem to cost us. But you know, the difference the difference between the two. I would you know I wouldn't even contemplate. Bakari Sako. Try to say his name. Bakari Sako. Bakari Sako. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Don't you start. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wouldn't even contemplate him starting over Wilf ever, ever, unless Wilf was injured. But and, he, and Wilf's come off the bench and just been excellent, just been a proper threat. But maybe he doesn't do that if he starts. That's the only thing I could possibly say that because he had he had had a couple of games where we weren't using him right and and. His main focus. I, t- I talked about it last week against West Ham. It, all, he, his main focus was was defending, <laughs> which is just a waste of Wilf Zaha. You just shouldn't shouldn't bother with it. Got uh, plenty of comments actually coming through in the chat room and, and one on Twitter as well. I'll start with the um, say one on Twitter. There's a few tweets. There's one I'm focusing on on Twitter. Uh, Andrew, oh, I've got to say this again, Montidiuk. Anyway. Um, I'll get it wrong every time, sorry Andrew uh, for someone who's meant to play wide, Sacco showed no width at all, tactically unaware of where he was on the pitch um, and I'm, that's that's another thing about Sacco, is he does, does, he's not really one to get down the side of the defence, he, he, he does like to come inside steady on, he does like to uh, come in field, let's rephrase that um, <laughs> what, like, like Punch does for his goal yes, yeah exactly, like he's so 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 what do we do? Do we not play Punch and then play Sacco so that we can? No, play... no, no. Because Punch is playing in a different position. Obviously, he's, he's he was playing um, playing up behind the striker. Well, he was definitely beyond... playing in a different position yesterday. Yeah, without a doubt, you're right. Yeah, he was playing in a different position to Sacco. Yeah, um, and obviously he's, he's for the goal. He's gone wide, and well, it was it was an excellently worked goal, which we'll, we'll come to a little bit later on. Um, I, you know, I just it, it's 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 a strange one, and people will always point to. Um, to Sacco being, you know, being a poor performer in that team, and Wilf being considerably better when he came on and called it an error. I do think there is an argument to be made that um, that it was a decision that won us the game, but not necessarily, not ne- necessarily saying it's perhaps as significant as that. Um, there is. Uh, I'm just trying to catch up with a couple of the uh, messages in the chat room. Lucy, I'll let you do that because my brain doesn't work. Yeah, um, Lions five five zero says, "Gel the voice of reason with a mouthful of chicken, Kiev." And uh, Boot Eagle has said, "Poor game for Wilf against the Spammers. Expect that cost him his starting place." Yeah, I'm just looking at Albert's tweet as well. Did anyone think the new number 27 we availed at halftime yesterday looked a good prospect? <laughs> Certainly had more pace than our current 27. Um, oh dear, oh dear. He's he's had a bit of a dig at Damo there, loose. Yeah, outrageous. It's all right. I'll get him later. Yeah. <laughs> mean. Um, so yeah, look. The Sacco debate is a, is a difficult one. Um, I, I yeah, I think Ben, you've you've probably made a very good point there in, in what we're in saying that he hasn't played much football, and it's and it's a bit harsh to sort of write him off. But um, you know, maybe a, a, a 
you know, a few games will do him a bit good. But um, don't, don't get me wrong. I don't think he's going to be starting for us week in week out. I think, he, as cliche as it sounds, I said this in the chat a few minutes ago. He's, I think he's an impact player. I think he's better when he comes off the bench. Um, it's almost in the role that Wilf did yesterday, coming on and did well. I think Saka will be that sort of player for us. I don't, for for one second, think he's going to start week in week out. I just think, it, yeah, he hasn't sort of had that many minutes for Palace yet. Okay. Um, few the the few instances in the game of note really. I want to start um, looking at the uh, the penalty claim for Norwich um, because I, I you know I saw that and, and thought very little of it at the time. I thought you know they I thought Norwich were protesting way too much um, you know for for a shoulder shoulder to shoulder kind of challenge. I just thought it was a little bit bit weird how adamant they were. Um, having seen the analysis of it by. Um, goals on Sunday and match of the day. There seems to be more of a consensus among amongst sort of professionals that that was a penalty because because Damo hasn't played the ball. Um, I start with you, Luz, because you're going to be biased about this. Was that a foul? <laughs> um, yeah, I think yeah? it was. Um, there's clearly no contact with the ball, and I think what was it, the word Pardi used? It was a, a robust tackle. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which which is true, it was. Um, I think Damo was lucky. Um, it's just one of those ones that we've been lucky with and in another time we may not have been so lucky. Um, I think he needs to be careful with those sort of challenges in the position that we're in. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah I, I, okay, you know, perhaps less... Well, you you were more adamant that it was probably a foul than I was, but it's, also very naughty. <laughs> very naughty. All right, I thought um, I thought Jarvis handballed it as well. Personally, uh, looking back at it, that may have been because he got a massive shove from Damo. But um, go on, Terence, what do you think? I'd be furious if it was given against us. Um, yeah. I, I, for me, I, when I bought, I was playing football. That's that's a shoulder to shoulder, and Damien Delaney stronger than him. I don't. I, don't um, I think. Garth Crooks called it GBH on the BBC. <laughs> Don't mind you saying that he did put Troy Deeney in defensive midfield in his team at a week a couple of weeks ago. So <laughs> I'm not sure we should be taking what he says as um, gospel. But no, I, I, I think it was shoulder to shoulder, and Jarvis went flying looking for it. And but that's Michael Oliver's never going to get that sort of penalty decision. He really shies away from decisions like that, and that's why he's getting a reputation for being a good referee because he just doesn't give those decisions and it's he's perceived to be letting the game flow and so on so I'm not worried when it's Michael Oliver there No and um, Pardew's called him the, the best ref in the league and uh, you know interesting praise I, I don't know quite what I think about that because I can recall him having some you know interesting games should we say but um, yes yeah, so that's a fair point it's quite um, when, there, when there's that kind of level of doubt it's nice to see a, a ref you know not give it because I'm sure it's important. I'm sure Norwich fans will tell you it's an absolute stonewall penny. Joe, you're, um, you don't mention words. What do you think? Well, I, I watched it as you did this morning. And um, I sort of, I, I didn't know whether I was watching the same clip as Golden Strachan where he went stonewall and Hendry went, yeah, stonewall penalty. And I was thinking, hang on a minute. What was the forward's name? It was, it was Jarvis. Uh, Jarvis, yeah. Jarvis, right. So when Jarvis goes through, he jumps up in the air. He, he literally... Jumps up in the air, just as Damo's coming over, and and the and the and the, and the, con- the contact is literally Damo shouldered him while he's in the air, and then he goes all Klinsman. But <laughs> I can see, I can see that it w- could have been given, but 
you know, looking at it from, you know, from my side, from the Palace side, I'd just like get up your puff. You know, <laughs> I'm not, not sure about the the, uh, the language there, Joe. But um, other than that, um, I think I, I found it ironic that Colin Hendry was saying it was a stonewall penalty when that's how Colin Hendry greets people. <laughs> uh, you know, if anyone remembers how he used to play, yeah, um, weird, really, really weird to, to see so many saying it was um, saying it was a penalty again. I've had some uh, views on that in the chat room, Luce. I think. Yeah, you've got Lions five 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 said the more I see it, the more it looks like a really clumsy tackle from Wreckit Ralph uh, Damo. Uh, Shamak attack said we maybe got lucky, but would have been harsh. Bert's head said it was a stonewall pen. Tough luck, Narich. And Booted Eagle said, "Stupid challenge by Damo." So yeah, I'll I mean you, that's gone. It, that, that definitely gets given against us three weeks ago, though. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> I, think, you, I think the, the, the worst part about it is it, it, about the whole challenge was it, it gives the referee a decision to make. Yeah, and that's the thing. So you know, he's either going to give it or he's not. If it, 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 it could have gone either way, but I, I think it was more of a. More of a dive, and the, and the good thing about him, his positioning was was fantastic. You know, he was he, he wasn't impeded at all with his vision. The referee, so I think he just he just you know he see it and see what happened and didn't think it was a pen. So yeah, I mean the, the problem is that is that you is that we, you know we know this probably better than most clubs in the Premier League at the moment of just how from referee to referee it becomes so inconsistent when you look at that challenge and then look at a couple of the penalties given against us this season you can kind of think well that challenge is much much worse than than what happened with you know Deeney and it's much worse than a, you know than than a lot of challenges you'll see get, get given for, for penalties so i think that that uncertainty kind of doesn't help and i've actually noticed the our players on a couple of occasions when particularly at set plays where they're being held or where um you know where a shirt's being tugged or something like that. They're going up to the referee now and say, and actually, I, I saw, I swear, I don't know the hundred percent this is true because I'm because um, obviously I can't hear what he's saying. But at one stage, I'm sure Delaney was pointing at the other end of the ground and saying, effectively, I had a, we had a penalty given against us for for holding like that. Just you know, you know, um, during the course of a corner. So yeah, it's yeah. I, you know, there's, there's got to be something done about it. Look, as 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 Bert said has said, it, um, tough luck, Norwich. You know, it, it wasn't given. We've gone on and won the game. I think that's the main thing. But I say, very just interesting to see just how um, varied a view and and how you know so many pros are actually saying it was it was a penalty. Um, Wayne Hennessy, particularly first half, getting an awful lot of stick. Um, and of course, at the game, there was chance for Spironi and uh, ironic cheers when he when he caught the ball and kind of and things like that. But Ben, you can't you can't have a, a six foot seven goalkeeper dropping the ball onto a defender's head under no pressure, can you? No, I completely agree. I just think he doesn't command his six yard box enough, and a ball will come into it, and he and he won't come for it. <laughs> the ironic cheers were would uh, I mean it's straight after it. So he caught the ball, ironic cheers, and then he just lashed the ball out of play. And I just thought, what is going on here? The worst one. <laughs> Was when it was, it was over at the back post, um, sort of towards where the homes of Fanatics are, and he put his arm round a defender and almost slapped it across the face of his goal. And it's just a, it's a keeper with a complete lack of confidence. Um, just you know, week after week, getting stick, and it's he's oh, he's a mistake waiting to happen essentially. Um, and I don't know how how much longer he can go on without making a mistake because obviously you know there's little bits and bobs that haven't really cost us that much. Like yesterday, you know, clean sheet at the end of the day. 
you know, somebody will look at the score and think, oh, Palace didn't concede, Hennessy must have been all right, when in reality he wasn't. And I think that sort of let him off a bit. He'll get a couple more weeks now because of that. But for me, I mean, I'm, I'm Team Spurney, but I think we've got a couple of keepers that are, that are better, well, that deserve a chance at least. It's, yeah, look, it's got to a stage where, obviously, we talk about it every week now. Um, and it's not, obviously, there's not that much new that we can say. But I think what, what is important that, I mean, first of all, to acknowledge that he did make, well, he did make one very good save. Yeah. yeah. Um, which was, it was, you know, it was extremely important for us, uh, a vital stage. You know, we, I think it was not that long after, um, after we'd scored, was it? So, you know, it, look, he's made a good save in the game. He has kept a clean sheet, but the confidence thing that we've been talking about in recent weeks is clear he has a, a, a lack of confidence. So I was looking looking this up um, earlier on ahead of the show because I wanted to talk about it. There's a thing in um, in golf or in cricket um, called the yips, isn't there? And I don't know if we've com- talked about it on air before. I've got some vague recollection of talking to someone about it. Um, but that's where you get a, a psychological issue um, that at, the, at, the, at a key point, basically, that, that, you, that you, you kind of... You know, you have an invol- either an involuntary movement, or you you know you don't do something basic very very right. And that's uh, there's also something called uh, target panic. It's also known as where you know w- where you have the you know <laughs> the target in your eyes, and something something distracts you, something takes your mind off it. I think I genuinely look at Wayne Hennessy, and I think that there's something psychological wrong, seriously, because he can't he can't seem to get the basics right, and and. You know, everyone talks about you can't keep having a go at Wayne Hennessy, and I don't support anything in the ga- you know at the game. But the ironic cheers of him catching that does nothing for anyone. That's you know that's that's and, I, and I'm aware that obviously people chanted his name to to drown out the singing for Spironi, so which which is the right thing to do. But you know the manager's got to protect him and protect our our, our defence as well because you know this guy is absolutely. You know, it looks like a you know, deer in headlights. It, it's it, it's a real, real concern for me. Joe? Sorry, I was going to catch you out there, but you weren't even paying enough attention to say anything. <laughs> I think no, there's was. also... <laughs> <laughs> I was just typing something to Mikey, that was all. Yeah. No, I, I, like I said, there's, there's, not, there's not much more we can we can say about NSC. You know, we as a, you know, as a panel... Our, this esteemed panel. We all have our, <laughs> um, you know, our favourites, and half of you want Jules, and some of us don't, and some of us want McCarthy, and some of us don't, and some people that are not on the panel today just drag some gaze off the street because he reckons they'd probably be better than all three of our goalkeepers. So, <laughs> but you know, it's I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, you know, the, the other the other thing as well is that is. He hasn't. You know, this, is, this is his first proper season, really. Is he gonna? You know, are we gonna? Are we gonna let him? We're gonna give him some grace and let him grow into the Premier League. I mean, we haven't. You know, otherwise we're gonna start targeting certain players, and and then they might as well just. You know, that'll be it then, won't it? And we'll be paying him forty thousand quid a week and sitting on the bench. I just don't think. I don't think he's a Premier League goalkeeper. I just, I, you know, I've had. There was a stage where he was playing well enough for me to be confident in him. But you're um, saying that, would you, so it, it would, you would have been apoplectic yesterday, right, if he'd have let a goal in like Joe Hart did? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah well, all so, keepers so, make mistakes, don't they? All, they all, so, but they so, don't every week. He's possibly the best goalkeeper in England, letting in a, a, a schoolboy error. Yeah, but, but, but Joe Hart doesn't do that every week, and Joe Hart makes 
you know regular great saves but I'm not really it's not even really much in terms of comparing Wayne Hennessy to Joe Hart he's redeemed himself because people all the people that if you look at that save that he made in the second half um, that that he just about got with his fingertips and tipped it sideways out of danger let me tell you that that was on his fingertips and, and only another tall goalkeeper would have done that. I don't think Jules would have got to. It's a good save, and, I'm, and I want to give him credit for that. You know, it wasn't the hardest shot in the world, but he had to change direction quickly, get down to it. It was a very good save, at an incredibly important moment. He's, you know, he's got out well to Brady later on in the game as well. Um, you know, there's, you know, there's plenty of, to, to, you know, to, but this is, no, you can't, you can't point at every positive he does and, and, and ignore the really basic handling errors and and how. The defence have just got no, no belief in him to come and claim a ball. You know, uh, we, we've talked about this a lot. Yeah, but, yeah, but is that, as, as none of the defenders have come out and turned around and said, if they really, listen, if Scott Dan turned around and said, went up to Pardew in front of everyone or even went to him privately and went, I have absolutely zero confidence in him, let me tell you that he'd be gone. He would be John, gone. But, but look at look at what happens with Delaney and Dan. They're, they're, they're trying to challenge for the same ball in the six yard box half the time, you know, because because they're they're that's something that Wayne Hennessy should be coming out shouting his head off, saying I'm coming for this, lads. But he just stands there on his line, you know. This is this is basic stuff, you know. And I'm not the only one picking up on it. And go on, Terence, you you've talked a lot about McCarthy in the past, and you know the mistakes he was making, and, and were one that was supported the change to Hennessy. What's wrong with him? Am I, am I, or am I being out of order here? Um, I'd, to go from the goalkeeper that he was in December and winning player of the month to where he is now, it has to be confidence. But looking back through his career, he's he's always struggled in large periods. And it, it, it stems from not commanding your area, which then means the back four doesn't believe in you. And then when your back four doesn't believe in the goalkeeper, it leads to error after error because there's no understanding there and it allows strikers and so on to take advantage of it and create problematic situations for you and that that's the problem you just that one what uh, Ben was talking about earlier when he kind of slapped it across his goal the whole back four just turned and looked at him and you you can't that's the last thing you want to see as a goalkeeper is your back four just looking at you with disdain and it's happening week after week now where they're just they're, they've clearly lost the confidence in him and I, I just cannot believe that Pardew's leaving him in there. I mean, there's, um, I saw someone in the chat room again, another person suggesting, is he doing it as a favour to Chris Coleman to, because he's playing in the Euros this year? I, I, I can't come up with any scenario why he's left him in there because he's just hanging him out to dry him, if for my money. Yeah. No, and don't, I'm, you know, I, I don't have, it's not a personal issue with, with, with uh, Hennessy. I think a lot of people, there's the hashtag Hendetta being used and stuff like that. <laughs> but it's not, you know, I. I'm sure every one of us here on on the panel and everyone at home would, would love to see, you know, the Wayne Hennessy that won that Player of the Month award every week. You know, making top quality saves, commanding his penalty area, and having the confidence of those in front of him. But that that isn't the Wayne Hennessy we're seeing. And the longer it goes on, you know, we talk about this terrible run. Wayne Hennessy's had a big part in that. He's not the only one. There's plenty. There's you know, we could list pretty much the whole squad and talk about their their impacts on that poor run but it's I know Booted Eagle has, has said this in the chat room it's a, it is a crucial position he's absolutely right and you, and you can't you know you can't just keep leaving it the way it is and, and just hoping for the best um, 
Look, we've we've had a clean sheet and, and he made an important save, but we're still in this position where we're looking at particularly his first half performance, and we're talking about you know horrific errors, terrible basic errors um, that that just have sent huge warning signs out to the to the players in front of him. You know, because the next time a, a, a ball comes in that he should catch comfortably, he's going to be hesitant. The, the centre backs aren't going to know whether or not they've got to claim it. Do they do they leave the man that they're supposed to be marking and try and make that header that they shouldn't be making? Because we've seen us concede goals a couple of times where where Dan and Delaney have got caught going for the same ball. You know, that's that's happened. That's not that's not me making that up. So, you know, and, and it was a cause of us conceding the um the goal. The goal for against West Ham when Lenzini equalised. It was you had Damien Delaney and Scott Dan both leaving Sacco for Ward to mark the wrong side because they were too concerned with the cross coming in. It's, you know, you just can't carry on like that. It's got to change, Joe. I mean, obviously, I, I, I could see on my timeline that a lot of people were were caning uh, Hennessy, yeah. um, and, and and that's why we're discussing it on here because I've seen it. You know, Eagle in flight said we got a crucial win yesterday and we were moaning about a goalkeeper. What the heck? But but this is but you know when it, when he makes people feel uncomfortable I, I don't know whether it is the players but he makes the crowd feel uncomfortable and he makes people watching it on TV feel uncomfortable you know they have every right and, and that's what we're here to discuss but what I did get a message from one of my mates who was actually sitting in the Homestale um, was that, that that he said a, a section of the Homestale which aren't you know we're singing his name so um, yeah you know, they, 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 people, they, people are trying to support him. So, that's, that is the right thing to do. You are. And it you is the gonna, right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. At, at, I mean, at games you can say we like on a message board or whatever, but at games the, you've got to, you've got to be behind the players because any other way of acting is it's just not going to have a positive result. So, wait. So you mean the, the right thing isn't to at him on Twitter and her loads of abuse at him? <laughs> Weirdly, no. All oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Go on, Ben. <laughs> Chris, you were, earlier on you were talking about all these sporting definitions, the, the the psychological bit part of it. Another sporting thing is sledging, and that's exactly what he was getting yesterday as well from from a, a few people right behind the goal, and it's right in his in it within earshot. And he turned around and he was shaking his head, and he was having a few words about people. I don't understand how people think that's going to help either. I mean, I'm fully behind people cheering his name, even if you don't like him. You've got to try and just get behind him for for 90 minutes, and you know, try and instill a little bit of confidence that's quite obviously lacking but I don't understand what goes through people's heads are, you know first and second row in the homestead shouting swear words at the goalkeeper I just don't, I don't get it that's ridiculous to hear and, you know, and if you did that honestly what the hell do you think you're playing at because surely you want your team to do well so what would undermining the, the confidence and concentration of your goalkeeper yeah. what the hell would that do to make your team better you know you actually you might as well be wearing a Norwich shirt if you do something like that uh, go on Luce. Yeah, just to pick up on what you're all saying, like I think it's absolutely disgusting that you're hurling abuse at your own goalkeeper. Like it's just madness. Like you wouldn't do that if you're away at your own goalkeeper. So why are you doing it at home? It's I just the mind boggles. And yeah, okay, so Hennessy has made mistakes, and I I've, I've made it clear before that you know I would like Alex McCarthy to be given a chance because I genuinely don't think that. Speroni is um, going to be back in a Palace shirt but you know Wayne is being picked week in week out so we've got to back him regardless yes okay we can have our opinions on him we can say whether or not oh he was shit this week or blah 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 but at the game when you're supporting your team you should be backing every single one of those players 100% yeah. whether they're playing 
crap or not. Yes, Sacco was shit yesterday, and you know a few of them had a bit of a bad first half. But I think it's absolutely disgusting. There were people that were jeering him, and it's not on. No, I totally agree, Luce. And despite your potty mouth, sorry. Um, no, I appreciate. It. <laughs> sorry, it's no no worse than gel, is it? <laughs> no. Um, we've got a wonderful clip later on of gel pre-show that we're going to share. It, it's it's magnificent. It was talking about punching. Um, and when we get to that topic, we'll probably play it out for you. Um, but uh, yeah, sorry. But I, I'm going to say something in support of Hennessy. But it, it's also a consequence of, um, of him, him noticeably struggling. And just say to, to point out that we're not the only ones noticing this. I think opposition managers are noticing this. And I know managers will, particularly at set pieces, put a um, another player. You know, one of, one of their usually a forward, sort of trying to back into the goalkeeper. But Hennessy is targeted with that every single time now. Um, and the the instant where he, he just got a hand to the ball and got it clear with the, with the punch, where he got quite, quite a lot of criticism. When you look at that, Naismith has violently backed Joel Ward into into Wayne Hennessy as he's come out for the ball. Um, so re- in my view, that should have been a clear foul on, on Hennessy and he shouldn't really get any stick for that. But um, he is being targeted. Look, and it's, you know, it's, it's difficult, but... I don't, I don't see it changing. I think he's, he's in the in the sticks till the end of the season. But I do agree with what a lot was being said in in the chat room about in the summer we'll be going out and, and targeting a new goalkeeper. We need, you know, we need we need a Premier League goalkeeper. And I know um, old Budgie Burridge was saying it on Twitter that a, a proper goalkeeper, um, you know, top flight quality goalkeeper can win you fifteen points in a season. And I, I think that's the case. And to be fair to Wayne Hennessy, earlier on when he was in top top form. Um, there were a couple of games where he did win us points, and you just you just need that to carry on throughout the season. Uh, I think that's probably enough on on Wayne. But Luce, you, you mentioned in that that um, there were quite a few players we could um, we've picked out um, Hennessy and Sacco, but there were quite a few players in the first half, in particular, who, who were really struggling. And Suarez had, didn't have a great first half. Joel Ward, in particular, was was having a torrid time of things. Um, but but it was a big big improvement in the second half, in my view. Maybe not instantly, and and it, and it probably took the substitution of, of Sacco for for Zaha to really have a, a proper impact and a change, um, and, and we settled, just settled down really. And um, you know, Balassi had, had spent the game in, on the peripheries and got in a couple of good crosses, um, and Norwich were really trying to slow the game down a lot, a lot of fouls when we were trying to break and all that sort of stuff. And um, I, th- I think perhaps other than. Bef- uh, the sort of the Dan chance that was given, I think it was given as a foul on the goalkeeper. It probably wasn't where he's hit, hit it over the bar. We didn't really threaten. We didn't really have a, a proper chance um, until we made those changes. Um, but we did make the change. 64 minutes. Wilf comes on for Sacco. Um, I've, I've said in my notes that was 64 minutes overdue. So clearly at the time I felt pretty strongly about it. Um, and almost straight away Zaha's played in wide uh, by punching. Uh, who also benefited from having someone moving around him. Um, got, finally got into the game. He didn't have the best of first halves either. Uh, you know, missed a sitter and, and, and well, he missed a couple of uh, opportunities in the game. But he looked a lot, lot better with people moving around him, particularly Wilf giving him a bit of support. And um, then the game-changing moment. Patrick Bamford <laughs> replaces <laughs> Naismith. He'd been, he'd been a pain for the entire game. So see him... Seeing him go off the pitch was a huge boost for me personally. You've got to be ill, wouldn't you? If you're if you're Naismith, that you're being subbed for Bamford. 
Yeah, I, I mean that's it's, that's as offensive as you get, I, really. I heard Bamford Bamford described as uh, on Twitter as someone who had won a competition to have fifteen minutes of playing for his team. <laughs> Some I think someone said there was a there was a commentator who'd said that on I think it was on the radio or something. Yeah, like, like that. BBC comment like a lady commentator, a female commentator or something, or someone yeah. a reporter, and she said he looks like he's the worst football she's ever seen, and he looks like that he'd won a competition to to have fifteen minutes on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, uh, Tony Carroll got in touch with me on Twitter earlier on. I said yesterday Bamford gave his best ever performance at Celeste. Thank you, Bam Bam. You owed us that. And um, I've also put in my notes that uh, he was booed onto the pitch for being a twat. So I'm not sure that's the exact <laughs> reason, but um, sometimes my notes get a little sketchy. But uh, he, uh, he, um, he, uh, the first couple of things he did was uh, was just put the ball straight out of play, and it's from that that we scored the goal. But it was very satisfying, wasn't it, Terence? <laughs> I thought I thought the booing was unnecessary. Really, I, I think all that's going to do is create a scenario where all of a sudden he's scoring and cupping his ears and running up and down the Holmesdale. Um, and then he, you saw him play and remembered that <laughs> no, he's he, he's awful, isn't he? I mean, the um, when uh, Hennessy was off his line for whatever reason and he tried to lob him. <laughs> And A, he only got it about three foot off the ground. And if the ball followed his trajectory, it would have probably ended up behind him out of play for a throw-in. I, <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I mean, it's a joke. I'm, and talk, talking of confidence with Hennessy, you know, this is a matter. He's, you know, scoring goals in the championship can be hard. And he, he did that. He scored, what, 20 goals for Middlesbrough last season, somewhere approaching that. So he's clearly not a mug. So there's something going on there, and um, maybe one day he'll, he'll turn it around. But at the moment, he looks like that competition winner. Yeah, no, it's it's, um, <laughs> it's just funny to see. It really was, and like you say, you have that fear, don't you? You see him on the bench, and you think, oh, you know, it's typical Palace stuff for him to come off the bench and you know you, and get a goal and go on. Do you know why that was never going to happen? Because within a minute or two of him coming on, Jedi smashed him. Well, that was directly after the goal, wasn't it? Absolutely. That was directly after the yeah. goal. Absolutely smashed him. And I mean, standing on the floor, holding his head like a little kid. Like you always thought he was going to get out crying. Like, look at that. Who did that to me? Part of me was 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 feels a little bit critical of Jednak for for potentially risking a red card doing it, but yeah, no, no he no. just had to. Happen, I think, I think he? he just took that. He took that that him scoring out of the equation. I think. Mm. I think he um doing that it's noticeable that, that Bamford didn't get a lot of uh, love from any of the Palace players either if you look at um, when he was warming up they were all talking to Cameron Jerome um, you know shaking hands and all that Bamford got nothing you know it really it really is noticeable that he wasn't liked um, and yeah like I say and his, his, his sort of inability to control a football with his first two touches actually gave us the opportunity to, to get the first goal uh, Ben you wanted to speak just before we get onto that yeah, um, I was just fully waiting for the moment. Obviously, Bamford was their second substitution. I was fully waiting for Cameron Jerome to be the third substitution. Him to aim a header about three miles wide of the post. It bounce off Bamford's ass into Hennessy's arms. Hennessy spill it, knock it over the line with a back heel. Just an absolute calamity involving two ex-players. I was waiting for that moment. Thankfully, it didn't happen. But yeah, I agree with what everyone said. Bamford was shocking. The thing is, if I, I'd actually feel sorry for Bamford if it wasn't for the comments when he when he left Palace. It. I think that's why people don't like him because he went behind Pardew's back and said that he was leaving Palace to all the reporters before he spoke to his manager. It just doesn't yeah. make any sense. 
I think someone's got, you know, in his camp has got to get hold of him a bit and say, look, yes, you're at Chelsea, you're earning, what, 35, 40 grand a week uh, as a periphery player, you know, but you haven't made it and, and you're getting further away from doing that. You know, you don't, I don't, you don't want to see people fail, but at the same time, he's cl- if he's clearly that disliked at Palace by players and fans alike, and if you look at um, the Norwich message boards, they're not fans either. Yeah. You know, so he, he's got to look at that and, and not be looking at other people and how they behave towards him and blaming them. He's got to look at, look at himself because I think that's what it's about with him. I think he expected to come to Palace and just slot straight into the team and play every week because he had been at Middlesbrough. Uh, he expected to be treated as, you know, a, a player from Chelsea and therefore better than the rest of the, the team. And you know, and he wasn't—he wasn't even better than any of our squad. He, he was the worst player in the squad when we had him, and he's the worst player on the pitch when, when we next seen him at Celeste. It's, it's you know, it's, it's and it was brilliant. It was brilliant that it led to, to Punchin's goal. Let's talk about Jason Punchin's goal. Um, what was good for me is that he started the move as well. He's, he's moved out to the wing, um, sort of knocked the ball back to Scott Dan, I think it was. Um, and then Dan's played it into Ward. As that ball was going in from Dan to Ward, who does very, very well um, for the record, he, he controls it well, waits for the exact right moment to play the pass, and no one has followed Punchin. In fact, pleasingly, it's Bamford who's nearest to Punchin as he strikes the ball as well. Um, and but it's, it's, for me it's the first touch it's the first touch as he steps across uh, the ball was sort of heading towards Jednak but he just very very perfect first touch to set himself for the shot uses the defender as a marker and just curls it into the bottom corner and it's the, everyone's been talking about it ever since it's, it's the it's the celebration it's how much it means whatever you think of Punch and whatever you think about his form for Palace it, that that means something to him because it's him scoring for Palace and it's it's the goal we needed. It was just beautiful to watch, wasn't it, Joe? Yeah, it was. <laughs> I think it. I think it set up a lot of. Uh, I think it released a lot of, of of his frustration this season. That was obvious. Yeah. Because um, I don't. Apart from Gaza, I can't think of anyone else that's ever cried on the pitch. Mm. But then Gaza was a nutter. Um, <laughs> but but I, I think I think what made what made the goal. Um, was like you like you just said the the ball looked like it was going to to Jedinek, um and and he just he nipped in front of him and and this and the thing is I saw a, I saw a tweet last night and it said that goal was almost exactly the same as the one he scored against Cardiff where he literally cut him from that size lined himself up and then just shot it in the bottom corner so but that's a, yesterday he did. When he was when he was good because he was good and he was very bad as well yesterday, but when he was good he was getting rid of the ball quickly and that's been his was his biggest failing earlier in the season yeah. when he was getting caught all the time with it in, in possession and he wasn't caught that much yesterday and there's a huge it's just a big improvement. It is and look there's a load of things and we will play your clip in a minute <laughs> but um, there's a whole load of things to to think about with with, with punching but. He particularly went out of his way to mention the fact that he was frustrated and, and because he'd missed a couple of sitters. He'd missed a sitter against West Ham. He, you know, he said as much. He'd missed a sitter in the first half. And he was feeling that it was never going to happen for him. You know, and, and it was kind of a release of emotion. But whatever you think, again, what I say, he, that, that shows just how much he cares. And the, the, the photos from that moment that were going around and you know, the, the, the pictures from the TV were just so, so good to see. It, you know, it's heartening as a, a Palace fan to see someone who cares that much. Ben? 
Um, yeah, sort of going along with that point, a mini stat attack that that sort of gets across that point. It was twenty six Premier League games he'd gone without scoring, which is a long time, and you could see just that release of emotion. He just gets it, doesn't he? he you know, he's Croydon through and through. He's a he's a Palace boy, and he just gets it. And I've spoken to non Palace fans as well that said they watched that moment on Match of the Day and had goosebumps watching it because he he just understands the team and and, and what what's happening at Palace and, and what we are. It was an amazing moment. Sweet from uh, Matt. Uh, on Twitter saying pride, passion, precision, punchin, which is a good four-word review. Obviously, we'll have a few more of those later on. Um, Adam Robertson was the one who mentioned the BBC commentary regarding the Bamford situation about the competition winner. Cheers for that, Adam. Um, uh, Lynn's got a touchdown. Great analysis of Wayne Hennessy's deficiencies, especially how he hugs his line, afraid to come out and act. Have seen centre-backs bla- glaring at him. Um, sorry, plenty more tweets. Just want to take a little bit of a... Um, diversion to get some of the contact read out there but uh, in the chat room Luke we've got something from Lyons yes Lyons 555 says the reaction from Punch when he scored was priceless it was the look he must have when people approach him in Nando's for a signature <laughs> <laughs> I remember that story on the message boards that he was <laughs> he was annoyed by someone in there. but I've, I don't know I've always heard good things about Punch being a uh, interacting with fans and stuff like that of course um, who can f- I actually think while he was um while he was out, when he went in, when went and stood with the fans, uh, was it the FA Cup game against Tottenham? I think it was. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, I would have think. I think that's probably um, done done him a world of good uh, to realise that actually the majority of the crowd were were very much behind him and supportive, and he and he got to witness how Palace fans support the team first hand, which I think would have been um, would have sort of even brought that connection even closer for him um, just a little bit more about um, about your own views Luce what did you think when you uh, when you saw the celebrations from Punch well it was it, it made me proud it was it was emotional like we all felt it and we you could obviously see how much it meant to him he's a Palace fan himself he's a Croydon lad you know it, it, and I was really pleased for him because I think um, I can't remember who it was but one of the guys in our stand had said oh it's been ages since Punch has scored because there was that, that miss in the first half. And we were like, oh my God, he's so close. And then all of a sudden he did it and just the emotions were just everywhere. And I just I was really pleased for him. And it was a cracking goal and well-deserved as well. Um, who hasn't had a chance to speak on that? Terence? Um, it was a very bizarre situation when he scored because... Um, my sister was busy berating someone behind us for being homophobic, but um, about Patrick Bamford, and uh, he's got as as she's actually, like having a giving him a dressing down. I'm like trying to say to her, "Turn around, Pat Bamford's about to shoot," and then it just sort of went mad. I mean, it's it was great to see his reaction as well. Just you know, the sprint over to the corner, the fouled knee slide, the slamming <laughs> of the fist into the ground. There was a, there was a few fouled knee slides uh, yesterday. Um, you want to be careful on these new dresso pitches. They might you might injure yourself. But um, it's just every time Jason Punchin cuts in from the wing, that's what I expect him to do after Cardiff, and um, it's taken him a while. <laughs> but yeah, and uh, I'd, uh, he he understands the club. He gets it. And I said at the time when he got injured, I was really hoping that he could take that time to just take stock, get reset himself, and get his head back in it get out of his own head if anything because you could clearly see that he didn't even know what was going wrong with his game anymore and that's but why he went to Pardew and asked about it and now he's um, it seems like he's come back and he was good at West Ham and he was good in large patches yesterday so hopefully he's turned that corner 
And the thing, but the thing is, Till, it, you know he can do it. I know he can do it. Everyone knows he can do it, and he knows he can do it. And that's the and that's the thing. You gotta just when it's like that, you just gotta keep shooting because we have we've had games where we've literally had eight shot in a game, and we've had attacking players playing. And all he needs to do, if, if you don't shoot, you can't score. But if you shoot every now and then, you do score. So it's yeah. you know it, it, you just got you just got to keep. I thought he was going to do it last week. I was with Lions, and we were convinced he was going to do it last week. So I was Danny, but didn't expect it this week. No. Well, listen, you've, it's a very reasoned point you've made there, Joe, and um, we've got a clip of Joe pre-show making a similarly reasoned argument. That's what I want to say on the show. That's what I want to say. I can't count. Killed you a jail. People screaming at you, what's up, for England. <laughs> I was quite happy we won, to be honest. Oh, sorry, I'm crying. <laughs> it's one of, one of my favourite things ever that's ever happened, ever. Ah, good stuff. <laughs> Cheers for that, Joe. Can you see what he does to me? You <laughs> just makes me so happy. Oh, dear. Well, hopefully you enjoy that as much as I did. Oh, dear. <laughs> so, after we, um, after we went 1-0 up, I think it was quite noticeable that a bit of confidence returned. We did, of course, sit back a fair bit of times. Um, absolutely uh, quality quality save from from Hennessy, as I've mentioned earlier. Um, directly after, directly after, um, after the, um, uh, the, the we went one nil up. That really did keep us in it. But there were a couple of other uh, moments and, and and players brilliantly stepping up from um, from from poor first halves. And Soiree in particular, I felt. Um, had a hugely improved second half, uh, culminating in some great interceptions and a fantastic block on Brady, wasn't it, Terence? Yeah, it really was. Um, the guy who stands next to me at Sellers really, um, he's had enough with Soiree. He's really, really anti Pat Soiree. And even he had to stand up and say, wow, that's, that's an amazing block because it looked like it was a, it was a goal. It gets better, especially from the other end. You couldn't really like, grasp how fast punch, uh, uh, Pat Soiree was getting across. And when it left his boot, I was just like, oh, God. And then out of nowhere, Suarez slid in and blocked it. It was a brilliant piece of play. Um, it's one of those occasions as well where when you talk about his positional sense, um, you know, excuse me, burping, <laughs> uh, his positional sense, sort of, quite often he does drift in central, but he was so switched on to that danger. He, he left it, left his man at the back post, just thought, you know, there's no sense in... Staying here, marking a player who's not involved in this, he sprinted across and got a fantastic block in it. That I mean that's as good as a goal. It really, really is. Um, some comments in the chat room there, Lucy. Yep, Eagle six seven six four. Suarez best game attacking and defending. Shamak attack said best game for Pap in a Palace shirt. Yeah, I agree with both of those comments. Uh, by by the end, he, I, I think he's he's probably had better ninety minutes overall, but in terms of the impact he had on the game, and and it's interesting he. I think he does kind of link well with with Balassi more than any other player, but um, occasionally his, his overlapping runs are just a bit too, almost a bit too quick, if you like. He's a bit too quick to get forward, and kind of just 
takes the space that Balassi might gallop into on a, on a couple of occasions. So we, that's maybe something that needs to, to, to have, we need to have a look at. Um, but it leads, leads me neatly onto um, a topic that I've been thinking about for a while because we've talked a lot about Ward and Soiree throughout the course of the season, the full-backs in general. And um, we have picked them out and criticised them as individuals in different games. But is it perhaps maybe it's the way we play it? It does create a difficult balance between attack and defence for them. It's maybe the position that we, we expose the most um, through, our, through having wingers the way we use them. Um, and through through asking them to to play a part further up the field as well. So when we're we're confident as a team and we're playing well and we've got the opposition pinned back like we did in our best sort of spells this season, uh, it's it's noticeable that the fullbacks aren't really struggling. But when we're struggling as a team, their their contribution kind of is a bit more negative than positive. I've I've said that in a quite a long way, but do you agree with that, Ben? I, kn- I absolutely knew you were going to come to me, and I yes. sort you had lost didn't concentration. Really, yeah, completely. Yeah, so I, don't I feel, have an I feel I don't good have an about that. But I have just found out that um, Spieth is evens through one hole at the Masters, so there's a little bit of info for you. That is good news. And that's attack of the stats. That time we had a Ben Nagel stat attack, isn't it? I gave you a mini one earlier with the punching thing. Oh, I'm sorry I missed it. We'll have to edit something in about the stats. Yeah, I'm, well, I, can I, I'll apologise back to you for not really listening to what you're saying. It's quite annoying because I'd um, I'd kind of thought about that a lot. It's a long point, yeah. It was something to do with soiree um, and, no, and overlapping. It was to do. It was to do with how our system relies on on, on the fullbacks and puts them under perhaps the most pressure. Yeah, it's but, a bit beyond but, me anyway. But, to be it, but it, yeah, but it works better. <laughs> it works better when we're a confident attacking unit, and and when we're struggling, it's it really does expose their weaknesses. Terence, you're clever. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Um, uh, there's an element that Norwich are awful. Um, I think there's an element of uh, perhaps that papering over the cracks of because it wasn't a, it wasn't a great performance by any means. So it's whether they can do it when we take a step up in opposition. Which I don't know if I want to say that Wednesday night is a step up in opposition because I think Everton flatter to deceive a lot. But um, you know there'll be another chance for them to shine because Everton like to push their fullbacks on. So there's a good chance for them to um, have a good old battle and see how they get on. They're certainly struggling almost as much as we are with calls for Martinez to go. It'd be a very interesting game, that one. On, on a different point, uh, I'll take this up with you, um, Luce. Um, what do you think about Kabai at the moment? And I'll say why I'm asking this. Kabai got a bit of stick yesterday as well. Everyone got a bit of stick in the first half. But some criticism of his, his play, which personally I felt was over the top because I thought he had a, a reasonable game. Um, he's another one of those similar to punching who needs Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. People moving around him to make to get the best out of him, but I thought he um, thought he was relatively solid in that game. Yeah, I didn't realise there was any sort of um, 
animosity towards him yesterday. I thought he was he was good. He wasn't his um, usual self, I, I don't think, uh, or up to his usual standard. Um, I think it goes back to the fact that he's missing MacArthur, but I thought he had a good game yesterday. I don't. Yeah, I, th- I think particularly um, with with putting Wilf in a couple of times late on as well. With um, although the angle was against Wilf on both occasions. I think it was, you know, I, th- I think it shows you when he's got pl- sort of players with pace running in behind him that, that he really is a danger. What, what did you think, Ben? Yeah, no, I agree. I think I do think that Macarthur has a big impact on Kabai, and I think he's obviously a, m- a much technically better player than Jennak um, in that in that role. And I think it, when Jennak's there, it changes the way that Kabai has to play because he has to do a lot of the the legwork himself in, in terms of passing and and stuff like that. I, th- I thought Kabai was good yesterday. Obviously, I've been away for a few weeks and I haven't seen all the games. But um, I sort of before I went away, he was good. And since I got back, I thought he's just—he's easily the best player in our team. Um, and I, th- I think he's just sort of a cut above. Yeah, I liked him. I thought he was good. A few people moaning um, that that he wasn't included in all these polls for man of the match. Um, and I, I sort of agree with that. There were, there were a lot of players that were good yesterday. But I thought Kabai was up there with, with the better ones. Okay, uh, go on, Joe. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of things about Kabai. Firstly, um, after punch scored, you know, there's, there's, there's been this sort of thing that, we, that, that the fans have been playing on between like punch and, and Kabai, you know, whether they mm. play in each other's space and they don't like each other and everything. But if you look at that photo um, that sort of encapsulated the whole thing where punch is laying almost with his knees out and he's leaning back and he's being hugged and held and. And and just look at, at, at Kabai's face. He's just yeah. he's smiling. It's a lovely, lovely picture. You've got everything from the agony to the ecstasy to relief, and it's a, it's a really fantastic, like brilliant, brilliant photo. But Kabai's really, it's a really lovely photo, and I, I think that dispelled immediately. I thought of that. I thought there's, there's no way that he, that they don't get on them two because that that would have that would have. Um, and the second part, what I, what I noticed as well was, and again, you know, I. I play a watch and what when Kabai's got the ball and it showed it a couple of times when he misplaced passes yesterday it's because he was having to try and pass around players because people weren't showing for him if you look at him he gets the ball and he will pass it to someone and he will immediately find a bit of space to take a pass back if he needs to he will offer himself as an option and when he was getting the ball yesterday he was on the ball he gets his little bit of space gets his head up and he doesn't he's not given an option and I think that was his frustration because of what he needs to do, instead of just making an easy pass and, and, and trying to and trying to make the play easier, he's having to pick a pass, he's having to curl it 30 yards around the player. And, and, and a couple of times they got intercepted and you could see him, after the ball was intercepted, he sort of done a little jump up and, and got frustrated. And, and I think, like you say, that it, it was a little bit frustrating there. But I thought he had a, I thought he had a very good game. And um, and again, with his quality, we've, we've put him Wilf in. You know, we, we, when you got quality, giving it to pace, um, you know, it, it, we're always going to worry people in the last ten, fifteen minutes. Definitely, no, some great observation there, Joe, about the um, the options he has. I think that definitely sums up um, the times where he does perhaps struggle a little bit. But uh, go on, tell. Um, he had the most tackles on the pitch uh, the most inter- uh, second most interceptions sorry and by far and away the most key passes in the match and statistically based there's a website called who scored who does it all on the uh, stats in the game only Delaney outperformed him Delaney outperformed him what about Jedernak uh, Je- Jedernak uh, rated quite highly he came third 
Delaney is a whole bunch of clearances. He had five interceptions. He had tackles. Um, what did he want? He won eight headers. These are all things. It's like very stat based. Delaney even managed to put in two key passes as well, which is unusual for a centre back. To, to be fair, he was he was the better of the two centre backs yesterday, and neither had a bad game. Though it was yeah, he, he actually yeah, Delaney was, was very good yesterday. We will talk about uh, Jednak perhaps in just a moment. But just to pick up Lucy on the comments on goodbye from the chat room. Yes, uh, got Shamak Attack said some great passes from Kabai, made crucial interception, perhaps not 100%, but again a big improvement. Uh, John McCormack 6, Kabai is finding the physicality of the EPL a drain. Interesting point. Um, Shamak Attack again said, I think we should try Kabai in the number 10 when MacArthur is back. Mm, I don't know if that's always worked, but um, it's int- if he's got space up there, um, particularly. As, as Joe was saying, as I was pointing out, when he, when he can find a player running with pace, uh, you know, be that Zaha or Balassi or, or whoever, really, um, you know, it certainly is a, a huge part of his game and will get us some chances. But I still like him sitting sitting in the middle there with MacArthur, so we'll see what happens, um, see what happens when he comes back in. Uh, Wickham made a very, very good impact off the bench, I felt, and obviously his physical presence and mobility... Um, is perfect for our system. Just keeping him fit is going to be the battle there. So, uh, just before we get into the four word reviews, let's have a quick uh, chat about who was the man of the match. And uh, many people on the um, the message boards and on Twitter and what have you giving it to Jednak. Um, I'm one of those who thinks that's the case as well. And just to say why that is, he he just it was the perfect game for him. Now I don't want to do him a disservice by saying it's just because of the opposition, because um, I think he's actually been playing reasonably well. Um, for the last few games, so perhaps he's sort of got up to speed since since missing out um, on a large portion of the season. Um, but I think I think the opposition did help yesterday. Don't get me wrong, but um, but a terrific performance, a real gutsy leading performance. Um, where we had to do that thing we haven't done for a while and, and properly grind out a win. What do you think, Terence? Yeah, shock horror, scrappy game, and in the middle of the park, and Jednak is man of the match. It was perfect conditions for him, everything about it. Um, he was allowed to just run around, get stuck in, and it made him look very, very good. Um, as I said, I think Delaney running close, I thought Delaney was brilliant, um, especially uh, compared to recent performances from him. But I think Jednak just nicked it for me. Uh, what do you think, Ben? Yeah, it's Hennessy for me, one of the match. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no seriousness. Uh, yes, Jednak for me as well. I think, as I said earlier, he's not perhaps the most gifted technically hasn't got that range of passing that, that uh, MacArthur and Kabai have got in there um, but he scrapped about and he'll run through brick walls for 90 minutes you know regardless of if he's knackered after half an hour like he'll, he'll just go for it for 90 minutes and it's exactly what we needed he was proper you know captain's performance um, and in that game in what was you know in reality a huge game for us where we needed three points he really pushed us on and we got there I like how he doesn't. You know, people. Some people say sometimes that a player will back out of a fifty-fifty. He won't even back out of a sort of a thirty-seventy <laughs> against him. It, it's it, you know he'll just go for it. And so often he actually gets a toe into something he's got no right to get a toe into just because he's he's gone for it. Um, no, very pleasing. Joe, uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I saw a tweet yesterday which described him as as uh, being massively. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word they use, but basically he was playing against a championship midfield, and that's probably his level, which I thought was a little bit, yeah, a little a bit, bit nasty. Um, 
but you can see that you know if he doesn't make the, the print, you know if if no one from the prim wants him, you know if we decide to to buy or he decides to go, um, that he would easily make a top, you know, get into any of the top sides in the championship without doubt. But I'm sure there'd be a few people in the in the Premier League that would take him as a as a part time player. But I just thought you know he was his his usual committed. You know, just hundred percent, and every single time he goes into a challenge, you, you don't really want to be going in with him. No, I think I think you saw the very best of him yesterday, and, and in, again, and his passing wasn't terrible. He was he didn't try anything over elaborate; just gave the ball to the right players, kept it nice and simple, um, and didn't really get caught in possession so much either. Um, you know, left that to other players, particularly in the first half. But I think it was uh, it was Jednak back to his best. Loose, you feeling Jednak or maybe someone else? Uh, no, I've been saying since yesterday, Jedinak, and I'll stand by that. I think he worked his ass off yesterday. Um, it was sort of back to the Jedinak that we all know he is. Um, I don't think he's been of form recently. And, yeah, he's just sort of... I think he was fantastic yesterday, and like Terence, you know, closely followed by Damo, but then he's always man of the match for me anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> Of course, no, it, was, it was good, it, and it was a captain's performance. That was the pleasing thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought that um, when Pardew said it ages ago, when we started on this bad run, that that's you know one of the reasons that Jednak had come back into the side was we needed his sort of character to get us out of it. Took took fifteen games, but um, but but yeah, absolutely. It's um, it, for me, it's got to be man of the match. And I know most people. Um, most people on the, like I say, on the message boards and Twitter and what have you, said this, very much the same thing. So, uh, so plenty, plenty to be positive about there. And um, just out of interest, um, we I take it we would all still put MacArthur in for him, given the opportunity. Yes. Oh yes. Sadly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you I wish there was space for him, but there's not. Yeah. No, there we go. So um, I thought um, one one last little thought before four word reviews is that I was looking at the. Um, We'll talk about the man management of, of Zaha, but it's looking at the, the sort of the way he's managed Jason Punchin because he's um, he, he, we've criticised, but I mean the improvement since his return, the, the way Pardew talks about him, it, it almost shows complete faith in in Punchin. I think he recognises that that he's a you know he's an emotional guy, he's someone who you know who's aware of how he performs and, and what that means to the club and what that means to his teammates and all that kind of stuff and clearly I think Punch in this season has put an awful lot of pressure on himself um, and I thought it was, it was quite important that Pardew's talking after the game and saying you know that that Punch deserved it Punch deserves that opportunity to, to put this you know this this struggle this season behind him and to be the one who, who gets the winning goal uh, and I just thought it was nice to talk, hear him talk about how how great he is behind the scenes, how important he is as a role model for the young players now he takes it seriously. But one of the comments, I think it was uh, Rob Sutherland from FYP on the BBS saying that um, Pardew had also described um, Punchin as, as like the, the character from the squad most likely to go into management, which really did surprise me. What do you think about that, Terence? Um... I'd, I'd, I think it's really it's really hard to tell that early on, I guess. But Punchin, I, I can't ask someone else. I can't answer that. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know him well enough. <laughs> I did meet his best mate in a nightclub once. Yeah, how did that go? Yeah, yeah, it was great. I had a good old chat with him. Yeah, 
Well, I don't know how we got into talking about Jason Punchin, but yeah, happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go on then, Luce. Yeah, I think I think it would be a good move for Jedi. I think he's that. No, I'm talking of... about Punchin. Oh, you're talking about Punchin? Yeah, no, Sorry. that's it was a surprise. <laughs> Sorry, no, yeah. Oh no, I'm Sam's Terence then. Sorry, I was reading the chat room stuff. Well, we'll have to edit this out. It makes you look ridiculous. Yeah, no more than normal. Mm. I wonder if if Ben or Joe have got an opinion on that. I don't know his. I don't know his characteristics. That's the thing. You can't. He's only been with us a few years, and he's not put himself out on the stages. You know, in the in the media limelight. I think you have to go to him more than he more than he would go to you. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Again, it's a tough one. I mean, you know, how old is he? Yeah, must be kind of 20, 30, 29. 30, yeah. yeah, so he's got like three or four years before he even starts thinking about, you know, I mean, you, you, at 34, I don't think you can be a manager at 34. But, you know, as, as, uh, as Tim Moss's face failed so miserably at Spurs, um, but so yeah, Steve, I, so Steve did all right. Yeah, but yeah, but we talk every now and then. It's like, oh yeah, you never win anything with kids. You won't win anything with kids now. But Man United did twenty five years ago. So, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough one. I don't know. What do you think, Ben? Um, yeah, obviously it's difficult. We're not on the training ground every day, seeing that side of it. But in terms of you know the media, the media sort of thing, you never see big interviews with him in, in national newspapers. He's never, well, very rarely sort of there available for interviews. He does, you know, he does his bit after games, but only because he has to. So in in that side of things, it's rare, it sort of seems a bit odd for Pardew to come out and say that. But you know, having said that, he's, he's probably he's one of the older lads in the dressing room now, getting on as thirty in June. So. You know, there's every possibility that will happen. I think the one thing, for, we were talking earlier about how Pardew, uh, the man management side of things, and I think Pardew is fully behind him 100%. I think he's the sort of player that needs that as well. Yeah. Um, but you'll never hear Pardew say a bad word about him. He'll always say how instrumental he is to the team, how important he is to that, you know, his role in, in that side. Um, and it, yes, well, sometimes it pays off, sometimes it doesn't, as we heard from Jell earlier. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think... Um for me, it's important that, he, that that the club and the management stayed with him through through the the form because you know the, the, it's if he can do what he did against Norwich, you know, as often as he as someone of his ability should. Not only will Gel stop swearing quite so much about that, but you know that will that will kick us on massively. You know, if if he can produce that level of form, that level of impact into a game. On a consistent basis, then you know the, the debates about Jason Punch will be gone. And let's not forget, you know, this this season perhaps has been dominated by um, by sort of certainly earlier on when we started dropping out of form. You know, we were all talking about oh, Punchin's the one who's got to come out. We've got to put Lee in for him. We've got to find a way of, of playing that doesn't involve him in, in some form. And we were talking about the fact that he's you know when he got injured, it might be a blessing in disguise and all that kind of stuff. But now we're looking at it. And saying that he's perhaps been, you know, the the, the catalyst of, of of us getting four points out of the last two. So it's, it's weird how things change, and you know, form form goes all over the place, but class is permanent, and he does have an awful lot of class about him. Joe, uh, last bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, well I, I think just the, the the word that would sum up, um, if you could sum up, punch him with one word, and that would be get the bleep ready. Frustration. Yeah. I, yeah, I think well, I think he's been. I think he, I think that word will just sum up his year. 
from from his point of view, from I'm going to say from my point of view, mm. that's exactly you know, and he owes me four hundred and seventy five quid for a laptop last year. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I'm just, you know, it's, that's the, like I say, it's the thing with him, you know, we, we all know what he can do, and that's the thing, it's just, it, it, it's, his, it's his inability to be consistent, so it, it must, you know, frustrates him and it frustrates us, so, but hopefully this is, um, this is a chance for him to have six or seven games at the end of the season, mix it up with a, a semi and a, and a semi-final, should I say, and, um, <laughs> and, and maybe a final, you know, yeah. um, which would you know? Which would give him the biggest stage to uh, to shut him up. Yeah, well, I mean, not just that, but obviously, if you think to have, to have this year of frustration that you've called it, you could, we could still end, you know, pretty much a mid-table club with a with a trophy if things. Which go is our way. which is what we are. If we were really honest, that's what we are. Oh, right now, yes. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, when we were fifth, you know, everyone, yeah, Europe, and you know, and even our chairman's giving us false dongs. Yeah, we, you know, this is where we push on, and and and, and he mentioned the, the word Europe, and I think it jeed everyone up too much, and it always, it always put a lot of pressure on, a lot of pressure on the players. I imagine straight away. Yeah, I think so. no, the truth, the truth is, we didn't, we didn't push on um, on or off the pitch. Really, well, no, but I mean, we had those with a load of injuries, and yeah. obviously, whatever was happening to certain players, and and but now we've we've got had, well, as he said the other day. I don't think we've got any injuries, have we? No, they're pretty much all back now. I think it's so only MacArthur and um, um, Adebayor and Angeland, of course, I think is injured as well. Um, but saying that, uh, looking at, if we win on Wednesday night, we go 12th. It's amazing what could have been if we, you know, picked up four wins in that 15 games, you know? And you look at some of the games as well where, quite rightly, we can feel aggrieved not to have got something, even though we weren't playing particularly well. You know, the Liverpool game in particular should have got something out of that. Um, you know, the various games. I won't relive it all, but you know, we really should have come out of that period with with a lot more than was it four points in those games or three points in fifteen four, games? Yeah, yeah four in fourteen. Uh, yeah, yeah. There you go. Anyway, um, that's that. We'll have uh, four reviews right now. Every picture tells a story. Keep up to date with ours on Instagram at Homestale Radio. Four word reviews. Darren Broadfoot, punch hits Canaries hard. Glenn Fossey, what an emotional win. Andy Gaskell, staying up, winning cup. Andy Camru, are we safe now? Kevin Childs, I've climaxed in pants. <laughs> Dougie Style, we finally beat someone. <laughs> Ramsey Wire, Muslim, can't catch, can't punch. James Sorby, Eagles crowing over Canaries. Marcus Summerhays, four-month wait over. Simon Pizzi, punch and made me cry. Clayson Phillips, punch lands knockout blow. And Lisa, punch smashed Delia's dishes. Review the game next week by tweeting hashtag forward review to at whole radio. The all-time Palace 25-man squad. Tweet us your suggestions and we'll choose in or bin. Right, it is ultimate 25-man squad time. Actually, I was just going through the tweets and Albert is still really angry about our performance yesterday. Just need to calm down, mate. All right? Right, it's over. We won. Three points. Happy days. Anyway, we'll be looking Do you want to say what he says, though? 
He says, well, Punch and Zaha pulled Pardew right out of the bleep yesterday. Up until then, our performance was nothing short of shambolic. And that, I think, but Pardew said that. It wasn't a good, mm. it wasn't a good performance, and so did Alex Neal. Turn around and said it was an edgy, not a very good game. Yeah, but I mean, he was extremely angry yesterday, Albert, and he, he definitely has not calmed down. I'll tell you what's brilliant, though. Um, a couple of weeks ago, did Pardew not say... Uh, I don't think the Palace fans want a scrappy win. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we do, mate. Yep, Any we did. win. Yep. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Nah, it makes it makes so much of a difference. But um, there we go. Anyway, ultimate squad time. Um, looking at the final centre-back position, the nominated players from yourselves um, are Andy Thorne and Ian Evans. Um, we'll talk about both of those in just a moment. Just a quick rundown of what the squad currently is. Goalkeepers, Nigel Martin, John Jackson, Julian Speroni. No, Wayne Hennessy in there. Uh, defenders, Scott Dan, Eric Young, Jim Cannon, Nathaniel Klein, Kenny Sansom, Dean Gordon, Danny Butterfield. God, that still looks wrong. Uh, midfield, Wilf Zaha, Peter Taylor, Don Rogers, John Salako, Jeff Thomas, Andy Gray, Aki Riolati and Attilio Lombardo. Forwards, Ian Wright, Andy Johnson, Mark Bright, Dougie Friedman. And those who didn't quite make it but were still good enough for a mention, uh, Michael Hughes, Simon Roger, Ashley Cole, John Pemberton, Sean Derry and John Humphrey. But it is Andy Thorne and Ian Evans that we'll talk about today. We'll start with Andy Thorne. Um, when uh, when I first first got into Palace, uh, Thorne was, was, the, um, was the man alongside Eric Young. The two of them as a central defensive partnership were superb and it took well as a partnership I'm not sure we ever have got better than that um, um, since, you know, since that moment I can't talk too much about what came before it but them two together was probably you know complemented each other brilliantly um, and they were vital in set plays, but in particular, Thorne was all about that near post flick on. We saw um, so prevalent in the most successful years under Koppel. Um, it, it was it was an obvious tactic from us, but they didn't seem to be able to do anything about it. Uh, he was an intelligent defender. He was better on the ball than perhaps he got credit for, um, but just a really solid, hard defender who just who just made it so difficult for the opposition and worked brilliant in, in, in tandem with Young. So I've got a lot of fond memories of Thorne. Um, as a player, just just a, a really really top player for me. Um, Terence, was someone you remember? Silence. <laughs> well, sorry, I'm, I'm on mute and I'm chatting away. Um, he's just a little bit before my time. I didn't start going until um, '94. Um, he's he's part again. He's a part of this really successful team and basically was the probably the final um, piece that was needed to sort out what which was a leaky defence really to go mm. along with the good attacking football we could play and um, and I think as I've been researching the two the, com- the comparison is going to be although we always get a lot of abuse for certain players going in and certain players not and for example Pemberton not going in got a fair amount of abuse because of who did it in the top flight and who didn't do it in the top flight. And Andy Fawn did do it in the top flight. But um, no one complained about Peter Taylor not doing it in the top flight. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but he, he was... I, I, it's just looking back at um, 
the uh, season reviews from the time and so on, it, there was a clear point of before Andy Fawn and after Andy Fawn when it comes to defensive matters. So he's a very, very strong candidate. Mm. Um, Joe, you got many thoughts on Thorn? Not that you two haven't covered. Um, obviously, you know, he was a... Uh, it was a big part of the team, you know. Like you say, has been said, you know, our success, um, solid, compact, um, and, and he never really let, you know, he never really, I say, he never really let us down. Players very rarely let us down, but you know, he was just, it was just, you know, he's just part of a, part of a, a joyous time for us, um, and an all-round good guy as well. I've seen a lot of stuff. Funny enough, I saw I saw more stuff with him after when he went into management, um, you know, and, and and saw him being interviewed, and thought he came across really, you know, really really nice guy. Um, but again, most of the time when I used to go football, I was I was pretty pissed. So, you know, <laughs> I don't when when you go, yeah, look, yeah, well, he's nearly fifty. He remembers all that stuff, you know. I, I, honestly, I don't. <laughs> there's not loads of stuff that I remember but go yeah the, the, the semi-final go, yeah if you have a look at me I was behind a goal but I was hammered me and my mate Mal were just standing I was so pissed I was literally was only down the front because if I'd have gone in the middle I would have fell over so I was down the front oh. just better being held up by the by the you know by the metal railing so one of those shows yeah, where I wish Patrick was on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ben obviously you weren't um, alive <laughs> oh, oh, Andy Thorne. He was credited with improving a poor defence, helping secure Palace's top flight status for four successive seasons. Oh, hello, in, Wikipedia. In first Cup final, the 1990 <laughs> FA Cup final. I have really fond memories of him. And he, <laughs> you sound like Stephen Hawkins. <laughs> I have really fun. Glad I could be of assistance there, guys. Thanks. Yeah, cheers, Ben. I mean, I was expecting a few more stats to be involved in that, but um. Oh well, obviously he scored three goals for Palace, uh, 128 appearances, five England under 21 caps. He did, yeah. And then he was uh, caretaker manager at Coventry City in 2011. Attacking the stats. <laughs> it's the stat attacks. I, I also believe he holds the Guinness Book of Records for the biggest increase in waist size in a 10-year period. It was. It's impressive, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Surely yeah. Neil Shipley's got that now. Nah, man. No. Andy Fawn. Andy Fawn could eat Neil Shipley, I reckon. Oh, crikey! <laughs> he's, 50, he's fifty this year. Andy Fawn. Oh God! It's what 50, fifty stone? Yeah, no. He's, he's perfect. He's, he's fifty a month after me. So oh. you show some respect to Andy Fawn. Like <laughs> one of my heroes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but there you go. That's that's that bit. Um, loose. I think I think we're probably going to struggle in the same way Ben has. Um, yeah, I'm a, a bit like uh, Terence, slightly before my time. Um, I've heard good things about him, but yeah, I don't. I can't really make an opinion on it to be honest, because it, it wouldn't be fair. Because I don't really know enough about him. We're going to have to get some people who know what they're talking about on this did, show. Did you read the bit, Ben, where it says, before moving to Crystal Palace in, 19, uh, in November 89, where he is now remembered as a legend? Yeah, I did read that bit, yeah. So he's in, then? Oh, oh see, uh, well, <laughs> well, if you look, if you look at the uh, where that links to, um, the, the, uh, there's a whole page on, uh, on the official website for Palace Legends. Oh. Also, I'll just clarify, Ian Evans says uh, he quickly became a firm favourite with the club supporters. So, uh, it's going to be a tight one. 
don't like how you said that. <laughs> Move on quickly. I don't know, I don't draw too much attention to it. We're going to have even more problems talking about Ian Evans, I believe. If you've got <laughs> any views on Ian Evans, do let us know. There was one in the chat room earlier on, which I was happy to see, um, where we had uh, Ian Evans, Brinsco Eagle saying Ian Evans was much better and classy defender than Thorne. Uh, Cold Eagle saying that I'm wrong. Cannon, Gilbert, totally underrated, were better. Thorne, Young were good. Uh, if you listen to me properly, Cold Eagle, I said that I started watching Palace when Thorne and Young were in centre-back and I had not seen a better centre-back pairing since Cannon and Gilbert were before I win Patrick <laughs> quite rightly pointing out that this show has entirely too many young people on it ageist yeah, yeah. Well, we, we did get Patrick involved to, to tick the age box um, <laughs> didn't we that's the main thing um, he's uh, not here today but Patrick <laughs> perhaps you could uh, to tweet us your views on uh, on Ian Evans and how he compares to Thorne, uh, so we have actually some semblance of reason before we uh, before we complete this. We'll have a look at how you've voted as well, whether you've been voting in or bin, in just a moment. Um, so Ian, I mean Ian Evans. So I mean, I imagine Ben would probably have the same sort of memory as I have that uh, he's a Welsh former professional footballer and Wales <laughs> international. Uh, of course, his first club was Queens Park Rangers, and in September 1974, I think it was, he joined Crystal Palace, where, where he became a firm favourite for the club supporters. No, as you quite rightly pointed out in our conversation before the show. Uh, he was famously injured by George Best. <laughs> Were you trying to throw that over to me? No, I was just um, giving I it... I think I said that. George, George Best was oh, playing full on money at the time, and, and Ian Evans was out for over two years. He was out for over two years, yeah. <laughs> was that today's last game, though, for Fulham? Best's last game, or...? I, I don't actually know. Wikipedia doesn't tell us that much. Jeff. No, I'd need to click on the blue link to George Best for that, and there isn't one for some stupid reason. Um, so, Jill, do you remember Ian Evans? No. Oh, uh, what? You're the when token was it? old when guy. Was it? 1973. Um, 74 to 79. I was a Liverpool fan, wasn't I? <laughs> oh, of course you were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that scuppered you now. <laughs> yes. I do remember him uh, being on the coaching staff at Palace, Seven. but obviously... Bit, being on the coaching staff doesn't really uh, help me judge him as a player, so sort of reliant a little bit on the um, on the on, on the guys at home really telling us how good. So Patrick said that uh, Evans was a very very good centre half, calm player, good leader, and helped bring along the likes of Gilbert and Sanson. Um, so I, I need to find out from Mikey how the poll went earlier on and see how the listeners have voted. Um, I, I've got to just stick, nail my colours to the master really on this one and say because because I have such fond memories of that you know the 1990 1991 era the couple finishing third in the top league the FA Cup semi final that kind of stuff well, I think that was after sorry before Thorn joined just but um, I have such strong memories of that um, you know of, of, of just I just that's the Palace side I, I grew up loving um, and then seeing Palace fail to live up to. For many many years so you know for me Andy Thorne's got to be in ahead of Ian Evans and and again the logic that you gave Terence, which I'll actually probably let you say um, so just a quick diatribe there was suggestions that George Best's challenge on Ian Evans was um, premeditated as Wales were playing Northern Ireland a couple of weeks later in a World Cup qualifier really? Is, um, yes 
Um, well, that is controversial. That is controversial. Um, it was in a thread on the BBS called George Best, Hero or Villain. <laughs> um, so am I, am I picking between Andrew Thorne and Ian Evans now? Well, effectively, yeah. Um, okay, I've been swayed by the chat room. I'm going Ian Evans. Well, there you go. It's an in for Ian Evans to go with my in for Andy Thorne. Jeremy, sorry, Jill. <laughs> oh, sorry, I, did, I thought it was two of us. Um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna put uh, Thorn in. I'm afraid. So I've, I've just got, I've just been distracted because Davis Love the third's just had an all in one. Um, but anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was twelve. It was twelve over par at the time. Yeah, but it doesn't completely matter. pointless. Yeah, it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It was thirteen over. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. I, I've, I've not even I've not even seen anything of of, uh, of Evans. So, but I've, I've you know I've read a fair bit, and especially you know before we were even uh, uh, talking about him as as part of our twenty five, the last sort of month or so, um, it's been quite prevalent on Twitter where people showing photos of uh, of the actual tackle and and uh, yeah, I, I think there was a there's a there's a really famous photo. And it was literally like a split second later that the, that the break happened. So, but um, yeah, there, there can only be one in for me, I'm afraid. Um, two in Mummy White has got in touch saying that they uh, that she heard Ian Le- Evans' leg break on the line in front of them under um, after best tackle in 1978 was gone with in. Uh, Lisa has the same memory of hearing the leg break when best gave him that. So he made that challenge. Hor- mm. And there is the uh, police. There's the ambulance. ambulance. <laughs> no, I, I messed that up. I said police instead of ambulance. I'm upset. Um, so, yeah. That's, that's, that's me living in King's Cross, I'm afraid. Uh, you hear that quite a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ian, Ian Evans also, um, he was at um, Julian Sproney's golf day, by the way. I had a oh, little chat that? with him there. Lovely bloke. Well, he's still not swaying me. Joe, uh, who did you vote for in the end? Andy Thorne, wasn't it? Thorn, yes. Ben? Do you know that mini stat attack for you? There's a, an Ian Evans who works at Crystal Palace at the moment. He's a soft tissue therapist. But he's not the same one. Kleenex. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, well, oh. my vote is pointless, but I'm, I'll go for Andy Thorne because I was alive for a one year while he played for Palace. 3-1 <laughs> three, three, at the moment. Luce, what are you going for? Um, well, I asked the guys in the chat room, what should I say? Um, and because my mum says so as well, I'm going for Ian Evans. It's three two. Ooh, I just nearly pulled my uh, headphones out of my laptop there. <coughs> I mean the studio, uh, something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it all, <laughs> it all, um, it all depends on how the listeners have voted. And I can tell you now that they have voted seventy nine percent in favour of Andy Thorne. Andy Thorne is in. Ian Evans uh, goes into the reserves, which is uh, which is no bad place to be, is it? You know, reserves for the best twenty-five players of of all time who have played for Palace. It's not terrible. Um, but congratulations to Andy Thorne who takes the final position uh, in the defence. So we so to pick from. This is an amazing lineup to pick from. We've got centre backs of Scott Dan, Eric Young, Jim Cannon, Andy Thorne. And from the fullbacks, we can pick Klein, Sansom, Gordon, or Butterfield. You leave Danny Butterfield alone. 
Yeah. Not happy about it. Ben, Ben, get on him, Ben. Get on him, Ben. (laughs) Did you go to the the, uh, chat room for this, by the way? Yeah, they they went Evans. Yeah, Yeah. but Head Evans, yeah, you got Eagle 677. Everyone's got Evans in there. Yeah. Yep. Oh. It finishes 4-3. Yeah, I'll give them a vote. It's (laughs) 4-3. Yeah. Yeah, It's upsetting, but... There we go, and I think I think it has been noticeable. Obviously, it seems that most of the uh, the older generation of Palace fans are dead and haven't been able to nominate <laughs> and vote for people <laughs> because the majority of uh, responses we get um, seem to be for more recent players. But there we go, and like I say, don't blame us. It's all your fault at home if you don't agree. <laughs> Although we will, we, we will blame you for Danny Butterfield. I'm just not happy with it. I read that list right. I get to the bottom, I'm going, oh, Danny Buff. And I'd be much happier saying John Pemberton or John Humphrey. That's no offence to Battlefield because I love Danny Battlefield. He's six, just... six, six minute hat trick. Yeah, and, and that was amazing. And if you want to put him in the forwards instead of Friedman, I'll go for that. Oh, wow. <laughs> Has anyone mentioned, okay, I'm getting off this because we decided this, but Eddie is our yesterday, having a walk around the grounds, taking yeah. the, uh, his applause for his, oh, here, his right. marathon. Absolute legend. I, I you know, donated he, my he money. Lovely. What, what I, he did look lovely. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I thought that I thought Mark's, <laughs> Mark Steele's tweet was brilliant. Yeah. I thought yeah, I I just say think... to see how far football's come that a man um, can run around with makeup on on high hills around twenty six thousand people and get applauded. I think that shows that people are coming a lot way, a long way, especially after the attitude of some of the people behind me um, with the homophobic chanting towards Bamford yesterday. I think it's that kind of saddened it for me that you know you got twenty five thousand people cheering on um, Eddie Izzard and then you get people behind just being narrow minded. So um, I thought I thought that was a really nice bit of Eddie Izzard. Yeah, no, I mean it's it, obviously it's a fantastic achievement what he did, but you know not only was it a, a superhuman feat. To, I mean, you can't. I can't imagine it. I just cannot imagine being physically able to do that. Um, I don't think I've been physically able to run sort of for twenty-seven minutes for for quite some time. But he's only so. been back a week. That's the thing. And he's got he's got heels on. I don't, I, I'm not taking a piss either. I don't know how he's doing it. I really don't. Because you see, I, you see half the players slipping over in studs. <laughs> well, the, yeah, yeah. I'm really amazing. How much money did he make as well? Was it two mil? Yeah, over two million. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Homesdale Radio Football Blogging Award Finalist 2015. Okay, hope you enjoyed that. Um, and this is your your additional content for being so wonderful and downloading the podcast. And um, Ben, we're going to talk about your your travelling exploits now. As you told us in the introduction, it's been sixty six days since you went away, <laughs> isn't it? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I went away for so tell six, us a little six, bit, nine, about nine weeks. Tell us a little bit about it. I mean, where, what countries did you take in? So, I went to uh, America, uh, Fiji, Australia, Thailand, Sri Lanka. It was amazing. It's given you a totally new perspective on life. I mean, you just can't, just can't really appreciate uh, your, your life until you've seen the, the sunrise over the Serengeti <laughs> and... Uh, I mean, it's just. I mean, I've grown so much as a person, uh, and I think until you've uh, until you really see what it's like for some of these people in the poorest areas of the world, I don't think you really know uh, what being a human being is all about. I just got pissed for two months, basically. It's <laughs> oh, disappointing. Um, right. nah. I'll, I'll read this this because Joe liked what I wrote about this. Okay, so I went to five countries, sixty-six nights, thirteen planes, 
17 boats, 12 buses, 4 tuk-tuks, 2 mopeds, 29 different beds and a couple of tents. That was my life for the last nine weeks. That's impressive. <laughs> that's quite epic. No, that's epic, really. Because a lot yeah. of people don't ever get to do that. That's what I no. thought. I was basically I was in a position where I'm a freelance, so I don't. I'm sort of not tied down to anything. My mate was the same. We thought, why not just go and explore for a couple of months, just see what we can find, and like, take in as much as possible in that short space of time. So we just did it, and it was, yeah. It was, I'd, honestly, if anyone ever gets the chance, even for a month or two, to to do something like that. It, you see so much and it's so worth doing. And let's not get... forget, now you've got uh, the opportunity to uh, uh, dinner parties, uh, uh, pubs, uh, restaurants, just to bore the shit out of everyone for <laughs> the rest of your life. Well, most people, they go, oh, how's your travels? And you go, oh, yeah, it's good, thanks. And they're like, okay, right, let's move on to the next subject now. A few people are really uh, honestly interested, but most of the time it's just like, oh, how was it? Yeah, good, all right, next subject. Did it change every, you, Ben? Every dinner party, every dinner party has that one person that starts the sentence, when I was travelling, yeah. there's always <laughs> one. Quite, there's always I'm wary of being that person. I don't want to be that person. That's why I, sort of, I posted a bit on Facebook when I left each country, but I'm not the sort of person to, like, every day, here's a picture of what I did today. I'm not, I wasn't that ben, guy. Ben, you weren't that guy. Weren't you? Now, now, <laughs> now you've been away. <laughs> now you've experienced the, uh, you know, the, the wonders of life, the variety of life, the... <laughs> You know, once you, you you've seen the hardships, but you've seen the the, the, the beauty in in nature. Um, I think lady things. Boys. <laughs> the lady boys. See <laughs> any lady boys? Well, see, I my I don't know if my parents can. Look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I went to. I won't go into the the details of it. I went to uh, a ping pong show in Thailand, and it was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my entire life. A ping pong show. They weren't yeah. using bats, though, were they? Yeah, no. well, I, I had a bat in my hand. That's <laughs> <laughs> not even a lie. Amazing. Amazing stuff. Lucy's lost it. Okay, while Luke tries to recover from that, which could take about 15 minutes. Um, any, I mean, that's got to be the major highlight, I guess, Ben, but anything else you want to share with us? <laughs> well, I don't know if that was a highlight, actually. Did you, did you see the Northern Lights in, when you stopped over in Iceland? No, we were literally only there for a couple of hours before we went to New oh. York. Uh, it's just a, a flight changeover. Skydive was probably was the highlight, 14,000 feet over Byron Bay. That was pretty mad in Australia. Um, so if you've not skydived, do that. Is there a weight limit on that? <laughs> I don't know, Chris. <laughs> I mean, well, I'm not. I'm not the skinniest lad in the world. And I was allowed to do it, so I don't know. <laughs> I think there is. Do we find out? Let's have a look. Sky, I'll, sky I guess the weight limit would be on the parachute, wouldn't it? What we need two people on one of them, so I should be right. What we need to do, Ben, we need to get you in a room with um, Wilfred Zaha, so you can tell him how good travelling is. So he leaves Penge. <laughs> 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 Even when he went to Manchester, he'd come back every week, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. oh, talking of him leaving Manchester, wouldn't it be great if he banged the winner against United in an FA oh, Cup final? Oh, yeah. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's just, that's me, that's that's what I'm dreaming about well, he has for the two, rest of the season. Hopefully he has two chances, doesn't he? Mm, two yeah. chances against Man United, we got them in the league and we could get them. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Well, you know, they're not the team they were, were they? So are they so fifteen stone limit. 
I've just um, seen 18 stone as well, so it could be one of either of the two. Yeah, well, one one of those might be all right. <laughs> <laughs> Takes me out of both of those. Now <laughs> uh, you want to get yourself some diabetes, mate. It brings you down pretty quickly uh, down the old uh, weights. <laughs> Where can I get one of these diabetes? <laughs> yeah, I just what you need to do is just uh, not look after yourself properly for about 18 years, and okay. then you'll be fine. Um, all right, uh, cheers, mate. Yeah. I always found that food poisoning is a good way to go. That's hey, a good hey, way of shifting a couple of stone. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean it happens quick as well. Do you remember Ben? Uh, uh, like you know what you did? Do you remember roughly how much it's cost you just to give? You know, if we're telling people about this kind of thing, and they do fancy going away for a sixty-six nights. Um, uh, what yeah, did it cost you, roughly. Yeah, I mean, I I sort of did it. A lot of people travel and are on like sort of basic budget and will eat noodles for two months so i sort of i did it properly and i sort of took enough money to do everything that i wanted to do the flights over i did 13 flights and it cost me two grand for all of those which was i thought was really good bearing in mind around the world uh probably overall with flights and accommodation and spending money about eight grand probably yeah that's really? not so bad is it oh, so that's... yeah i mean it, like asia's dirt cheap australia and america were really expensive but when you get to asia and you're having full free course meals for four or five pounds you can, you sort of, your money goes far there. So, um, did you nearly die on any occasions? Um, like yeah, I went. Did you eat anything that you would have never have thought you would eat? No, well, there was a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a, a scorpion in Thailand. Um, yeah, they're all right. They're a bit what, bitter, deep fried right? scorpion. Yeah, there's no, there wasn't anything too horrific. I mean, obviously bitter. with it. Within stuff, I could have eaten animals that I didn't realise I did. But guys, food, food's boring. I want to hear about crime and near-death experiences. You got any of that? Honestly, more dangerous than the skydive was. I went whitewater rafting in Australia, and I flipped myself out of the boat. Essentially, Superman dived out over the head of my friends into the water and smashed my arm on some rocks. Honestly, oh. and they were at the start. At the start, they were like, oh, someone asked, has anyone ever died doing this? And he's like, oh, yeah, five or six a year died doing this. We're like, what are you, is that serious? <laughs> <laughs> and as I was flying out of the boat towards a rock, I thought I was a goner. Yeah, 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 that's quite worrying. But what yeah. was it like as an experience at White Wall Rock? Because I, I, I really did want to do that in my thinner days. Oh, it was amazing, yeah, yeah. One of the, one of the best things I did, for sure. Just, uh, Literally, it was sort of all man-made, and you just work your way down for like two hours. The guide on it, there's about eight people in the boat. Yeah, it was incredible. Pretty scary stuff. So two hours? Is it? Is it just intense, or is it sort of rough and smooth, rough and, you know, is it, is it... Yeah, you get sort of the bit for five minutes where you're you're sort of really pushing through it, and then you'll have five minutes where you're just chilling out and sort of experience it. Because you go, we went through the middle of a jungle when we were when we were doing it, so the, the views are pretty spectacular as well. Whereabouts was it? I did it twice, actually. I did it in... Um, near Cape Tribulation at the top of Australia, near Cairns, uh, and I did it in Sri Lanka as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was good. Uh, ben, what would you say the objective you use the most to describe your travels is? Is it amazing, incredible, <laughs> unbelievable, <laughs> or, or another? Um, I've, I have a feeling you, you've probably got your thoughts on this, do you? Well, I think do you've used them all so far. <laughs> right. Incredible is probably the one that I've used yeah. most. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, what I'd like you to do in future shows is uh, if you could come up with a, a really interesting story about right. your travels for every show, um, okay. and then we'll judge on judge it on its interesting nature. Um, 
you know, in a really fair way, like we always do. We're always very fair with everyone and um, <laughs> yeah, supportive, yeah. really supportive of of everything. So yeah, yeah, that we'll wasn't get, too bad. We'll get about three in. What, what, what? <sighs> Ben's travel. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it'll have its own jingle soon. Yeah, it might be that. that. Ben, we, was, we'll have that what, as a recording. What was that, Ben? Travelling or Jason Punchin's goal yesterday? Oh, I don't know what's happened to your voice, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, to be to be fair, like, I was speaking to my mate at the ground yesterday, who, who's been in England for the last three months, and he said that was the best feeling in the whole time that I was away. So I felt lucky to have experienced that yesterday. Um, that, it, to be honest, that moment of, of sheer joy and elation, I didn't get that anywhere around the world. You only get that in South London. No, not even in Thailand. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Not there, especially not in Thailand. Right. Wait, you haven't you haven't done the travelling that I hear about. <laughs> <laughs> also, I did go to a full moon party. That was pretty mental. Literally, people collapsed at about nine pm, and it goes on. There's a sleep area at the full moon party because it gets too much for some people, and they just can have a nap. It was incredible. Did you, ta- did you take my advice on the full moon full moon party? Which was uh, take everything everyone offers oh, you. No, I didn't actually. <laughs> <laughs> Although their Red Bull, the the Red Bull in Thailand has a, something that's very similar to speed in it, which was a bit weird. So that I drank a lot of Red Bull that night. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've heard it here first. Um, all right, okay. So let's um, let's just divert off of that. We'll, we'll be sure we'll hear more about. Ben's travels later on with its jingle of, ju- of jail yawning. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's talk a little bit about Wembley. I mean, you're going to Wembley, Ben? I sure am, yeah. Can't wait. I sure am. So it's, I, don't why you said it. I don't know why he said it like that. Um, um, so I think we, we all got our tickets, didn't we, here? Well, Joe, Still did you get yours left? yet? No, not yet. I'm waiting to hear back from my friend Alex, because obviously I don't want to... Yeah, I'm, you I'm, don't want cheap seats, I know. No, I don't, I don't want to sit up in the gods. No, I'm, I, I, I just want to be. Um, I just want to be sit down near the benches where I usually sit when I watch England. So, I'm just waiting for him to come back for those. Um, and when I get them, I should join you guys. Mm, splendid. Um, there was a lot of uh, a lot of stress over who would get what ticket and all that kind of stuff. I just wanted to pick up on it since it's a, a topic of discussion. First of all, um, do we think? That uh, CPFC 2010 have, have, prob- have handed in this the distribution of tickets the best way they could. Start with you, Luce. Oh yeah, yeah, and no. <laughs> I <laughs> thought the way that you could buy the tickets, I thought it was it was done really well. The fa- the phases, and it was so easy to do. I mean, I got thirteen tickets when I bought them, big group, to make sure that we were all together. Um, but then, for them to later on release tickets to season ticket holders who've already got tickets, I don't think that's on because it, there were so many people that were waiting for a certain phase to get tickets with certain members that didn't have enough points or whatever, or if they've got a child that they want to take with them but they can't get them until phase three, even though they could get a ticket in phase one. You know, I, I, it's very difficult and it's upset a lot of people. But equally, everybody's got a ticket, so if you're going, it's, you're going. Yeah, it's kind of what's the alternative. That, that's the problem that, that I have with it. Um, and again, people might have suggestions of that, but the, the general complaints seem to have been around around the I can't get a, the seat that I want at the time that I want it because people in my party don't have 
the same entitlement I do. And it's like, well, if you look at that logically, and I'm not saying it works perfectly because we know obviously there's some tickets that are withheld by the club for players and families of players and stuff like that that people might want it. But basically, the available tickets, um, if you can't get them, then because someone else has taken them, then why does that mean? What I'm getting at is why is why are you more deserving than that person who's taken them? Because clearly that they've met the criteria. Yeah. So you know, people always stop short of the point. They get to the point they're making about them not being able to do what they want, and they never take it that step further and consider who did actually get that ticket and whether or not they deserved it. More, you know, it, it's a difficult situation because you because people take it so personally about who's, you know, who's the more deserving fan and all that. It's not really that's not what it's about we're not saying who's a better fan it's just there has to be somewhere distributing tickets now because we haven't sold out yet and it's you know it's taken a few weeks people are looking at it and saying well we failed in some way but we haven't really failed all we've done is given the people who've been to the most games and 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 earned the most loyalty points whatever wherever they are um we've given them the opportunity to pick the tickets first really i think well my my biggest point to make on it is that everyone's going to get a ticket who wants one and, and I, I think that's all you can really ask um, Jill? I, I think think the um, you know people were moaning about about the way that uh, not being able to get you know this amount of tickets if, if we beat Watford then you'll see people moaning because mm-hmm. obviously yeah, we're going to we'll only get about 20 what is it is it based on 28 on, I think yeah, so we'll get 28,000. What have we got in the moment? 35, 37? Yeah, yeah. yeah. so we're going to lose a third of our allocation. And that is going to put... Because, you know, it's uh, you'll get a lot of people that will be really peeved. That, that won't be able to get tickets. You know, there's a lot. But obviously, we could, all the fans have got, you know, uh, have got tickets now. Well, they should have. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, should, I just don't know why. Did you have to be a member to get tickets? You had to be a member, yeah. yeah. 25 quid to the club, you had to pay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I opened it out yeah. so you could... You, yeah, I know. There, there's, you know, obviously allegations it's a bit money-grabbing to do that. Look, I can understand the biggest complaint being families, you know, who, who want to have that Wembley day out, day out as, as a group, as a family, and or, you know, groups of friends want to do it. Because you want that special day and you want to share it with everyone that you want to go... You know, it's and, difficult. And that's, and that's what I'm doing. Because I'm not a member, yeah. I'm not. I haven't got any season tickets this year. I'm not even a member of, of anything. You know, I, I get offered a lot of tickets. You know, I have t- tickets for Wednesday. I have people ringing me up all the time saying, you know, do you want to buy a couple of tickets or do you, you know, do you want these tickets or whatever? Uh, um, but I, you know, if, if if we get to Wembley, um, like for the final, then obviously I'm gonna I'm gonna treat my whole family. You know, yeah. so that, so that's I need I need five tickets, and I'll, I'll get the five tickets. But again, I'll get them through my. You know, I'll get them through my ways of getting tickets, you know, through my friends that connected yeah. through Football Association. So, you know, it'll cost it, me 500 quid for five tickets. But It's difficult, though. Look, there's, you know, you, obviously you've got your ways of doing it, and there are plenty of ways people can get tickets and work things out, but it's very hard to manage. And you imagine it's a club like us, you know, we, we've got a set number of, of season ticket holders and members. But imagine imagine the bigger clubs. They have to have ballots and things like that. Can you imagine the fury that if we had to ballot for tickets? If I, you know, I, I'm the same. If I missed out on a ticket on a ballot when I'd been to, you know, when I'd, well, I've been to that many games recently because of a variety of reasons. But, um, but, you know, I'm a season ticket holder. I've 
plenty of away games, got over 4,000 loyalty points. If I missed out on, for a ticket on the FA Cup final on a ballot, I'd be absolutely livid. But at the same time, you know, this got to be some sort of a system. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I think most people really could have could have just waited until the, the the right time to buy tickets as a group and accept that they might not get the seats that they want but the seats that they want would have gone to someone who deserved them and that's that's as far as I can get in it. Go on Luce before I let everyone else talk. Yeah just to pick up what you say about people thinking that they deserve it more than someone else and I just think you know what if you haven't got a ticket tough shit it's just one of it sounds harsh but it's just one of yeah. those things it's I've been to quite. I've been to quite a few away games. You, but my dad's been going to Palace for forty odd years. So, just because he doesn't go to away games, does that make him any less of a fan than me, or less deserving? It's. I just. I just think people have just got too much it's time on their hands. Are very quick to moan about anything. There is, yeah, there's no perfect system, and and you know the example of your dad's a good one because no, you know he clearly his dedication to to Palace sort of goes over it's decades and decades of dedication, you know, and that's proper support and and coming like, from Northampton to every exactly. home game as well. It's, you'd, like, uh, it's not... you'd like to think there's a way of rewarding that um, in spite of not doing away games now, but the tr- the truth of the matter is there isn't. You can't do the system that every individual. You look at every individual, how long have you been supporting Palace? Can you answer these 10 questions on Palace history? Can you, you know, yeah. it's it's just, you know, it's difficult. And I think the loyalty point system, which which I do have to add, was asked for by the fans in the fans forums when CPFC yeah. 2010 just took, took over. So let's not forget that when everyone criticises the whole parish points thing. You know, the only thing that I've got reservations about is the club shop loyalty point system. But again, that was something that, came about because Palace fans complained that um, the loyalty point system was a closed shop and that there was no way for someone who wasn't going regularly to away games to ever catch the people at the top. So again, it's it's I think it's not come out of a from a bad place. It's come out of a of trying desperately to get everyone involved. It's it's so so difficult. You're never going to please everyone. It's oh, I don't know, really difficult. Um, Terence, what are your thoughts? You're a strong strong-minded person. <laughs> Um, everything's really been covered I'm, I'm not extremely comfortable with people being forced to buy memberships um, I think a book in history should have been enough there for them to be able to buy tickets in a later phase because it's just it has made the club a lot more money out of fans which is not necessarily needed um, if they're yeah, trying to another sent- 30 grand in the grand scheme of things, if we stay in the Premier League and we're going to get, you know, yeah. 150, that's million. It's that's a, it's poor. Yeah, it's, it's not right. But like, I'm, I echo gel sentiments. I mean, everyone thinks this is bad if we get to the final. There you go. Um, but I have a general rule of thumb, and it's if you haven't been to Barnsley away on a Tuesday night, you can, you can do one. I don't care. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm not allowed to say. It. I get like you get called as snob if you say that I've been called a snob many times but um, I don't know I've I've made a lot of sacrifices to go and watch Crystal Palace play football yeah I and agree I didn't see you at night but then again, Forest, mate, in, in 87 uh, yeah, <laughs> what, you weren't one of them was it that's because I, I was I was five years old Joe. 
I know, I'll tell you that as an excuse. Like, well, <laughs> what was the time? Was it night? What was you? Night did you go to well. all the ones yeah, in? Probably was it, no, in in ninety one when um was it ninety one or ninety when we had to play them four times in ten yeah. days at that's the city that's, ground that's, and they kept getting called off. That's what yeah. it was. It was the fog. The fog yeah. over the train. Yeah. Um, last word on it, Ben. Yeah. And it was that, that was. Oh, go on, no, uh, Terence. No, no, I was saying um, about that, uh, Pat, when the draw happened, it was back in the uh, times when the replay location would be decided on the toss of a coin, and all the Palace fans were in the car park, and they heard that we lost the toss of the coin, and they were just like, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> 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 Knowing that you are, after already being driving up there three times and getting called off, and twice to actually get there, you're then like, shit, we have to come back. <laughs> yeah. But that I mean that in itself. Imagine how many loyalty points that should be worth. That and you think about the um, the coach, the club coach to Everton that turned back in a tornado or whatever. That, that's, that was on that. <laughs> all Get all up. of the all of those games would have been worth fewer loyalty points than a game of Monopoly out of the club shop. Yeah, <laughs> that puts it in perspective, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, go on, Ben. Last last word for you. It's your reward. Yeah, just on a sort of very basic level, from having been away and only sort of seen it through Twitter and stuff, it Have seems been like been? it's pretty. Um, <laughs> yeah, can we just talk a bit more about my travelling fee? <laughs> um, no, uh, yeah, everyone's got a ticket. Um, you know, we're in the FA Cup semi-final. Everyone's buzzing. Um, I think it's a thankless task for the club as well. Whatever they do, whatever method they use, people are going to moan because it's never going to be perfect for everyone. This seems to have got everyone a ticket. It's, it's worked so far. I agree with what what Jill and Terence have said. Obviously, it's a completely different story if we get to the final but for now let's just uh, you know enjoy that we're in the semi-final and, and everyone who wants to be there will be there definitely I do I do worry about what happens if we if we continue to grow as a club yeah you know it does it does fill me with a bit of fear that you know when you th- think of the teams like I don't know Arsenal and Liverpool and that who are oversubscribed by like a hundred thousand ten year waiting list just, season two. yeah it's you know that's that fills me with fear. But, and, you know. and the th- and the thing is, remember that. Remember what I banged on about it a long time ago about the Croydon Advertiser once did a poll, and they said that because of our proximity, we should be the best single supported club in the entire country. Really? Well, is that in, in 1968 there were 101,000 people in New Addington, <laughs> just New Addington in 1968. There was a sign that said it outside the fire station. That place has grown massively. It's probably 150,000 people there. How many people live in Croydon just itself? But yeah, just we should. You know, we, I'm sure, as the, the, the advertiser said, that we could possibly have like a seven or eight hundred thousand crowd at home games if, <laughs> if everybody in the local area supported their postcode side. Then we could. Then, then we would be massive. They need to get started with those stadium redevelopments then. It's going to take a while, that. It's going to be a tall, tall new main stand, isn't it? Do you think the Americans are breathing a little bit a bit easier this after oh, yesterday? I, so. I thought it was interesting. Parrish uh, came out in the press with the comments. Yeah. Um, Tony feels a little bit sorry for him. Um, I, don't know, I don't know whether that was just an off-the-cuff remark or whether there'd been any kind of tension or whatever, but it was difficult. Um just- just getting onto that, just very quickly. I know we're running for time. I've seen some, you know, I've said for ages. I always thought today would define our lot. The three years yesterday would define three years of us being in the Premier League. And then I've seen on Twitter today people saying, "Ah, oh, we were never that close to to relegation." Is it is it me? I mean, if we'd have lost that yesterday, we would have been level one points with Norwich, with a just only on goal difference above them. 
Yeah. I was looking at the, um, the fixtures that Sunderland and Newcastle have got left and looking at how many points I could li- realistically see them getting, given their form and the teams that they were playing. And Go on and say that, and then Swansea beat Chelsea yesterday. We never yeah. thought Swansea would get another point for the rest of the season, and they beat Chelsea yesterday. Yeah, obviously you have to allow for that. There will be some surprises in that, and tension does very, very strange things to teams, doesn't it? Um, but it's a big ask for Norwich... For, well, Norwich, if they'd beaten us, obviously would have been right, right up there, and that would have been a real, a real difficult one for us. But it would, it would take Sunderland, Newcastle, and Norwich all to have, all to pick up bet more points than us, you know, throughout the rest of the season. So we weren't, we weren't, you know, we were, we were in, we were in it until that win. Um, there's no, there's no doubt about that. And anyone who was confident that that we weren't going to be in trouble if we'd lost that game, I think, was kidding themselves. But. You've not got that, not in your stomach anymore, have you? No, no, neither have I. <laughs> I think uh, oh, no, you can imagine how, how much better the team must feel as well and let's hope that leads us to some much much better football in the near future starting on Wednesday as we smash Everton Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.